oh my gosh, the future of Gat Backlash guest Mac was drinking Coors the other day on ours, our, our, our Zoom. Oh, Big Mac McCarthy. Oh, yeah, that Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mac, 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 that Mac. And like Mac he, <laughs> I love, I love Coors. My dad drank Coors. I don't drink a lot of beer, but I can like, I endorse, I endorse. I only drink beer. You only drink beer. Oh my gosh. Is that, wait, are you like, can I ask you, is this rude to bombard you with questions about your race before I even introduce you? Like, are you Ukrainian? Are you um, Russian? Do you mind talking about like your, yourself at all? I am Russian. Is that rude that I said Ukrainian? Not rude at all. Because you sound like me, though. I look more Ukrainian though. You, you, I don't know. I, I don't know the difference, honestly. Like I'm, I'm from California. Um, <laughs> but there's like this like there's a slang in ukrainian no 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 sorry it's not ukrainian slang it's kind of like a nickname we have for ukrainians like um hokel is this crazy haircut that the zaporozhian cossacks had it's really similar to what the samurais had it's a little piece of hair on top of your head that grows really long and everything else is shaved okay so, okay mm-hmm. so like we call like ukrainians like hokels but then like, <laughs> girls are hachlushki. but hachlushka, if you say call someone hachlushka, it doesn't necessarily mean they're ukrainian it just means they're like have big boobs and like round faces <laughs> and like long hair like just like kind of like little like doll looking things i don't know i don't know like you do you sound like mila kunis when you called into our radio show you know like Mm -hmm. i was there like you just had such a great voice and that was like she sounds like mila kunis Kunis. no you don't you do or don't i don't because number one tell me why um uh, okay she rubs in the wrong way for a couple reasons (laughs) also she's like Okay, I can't tell if she's Ashton Kutcher's handler or vice versa. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. mm. It's kind of like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith situation, I feel like, where they're like each other's handlers and they're both handled by somebody else. They're, they're keeping each other in check. Absolutely. I mean, since childhood. Same oh my gosh, Jennifer, yeah. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, yeah. Will and Jada. I don't know. Everyone's like, she she dog walks him, but like, why? What's going on there? There's something going on there, you know? And he definitely was, she would be worth nothing without Will Smith, you know? Like, also, he, didn't she say she like sold crack for the CIA or some shit? She's like, shit. All these people are the shadiest fucking motherfuckers in the planet, and they just cannot stop like just telling themselves 24 7. It's hilarious. Um, they want, they like want people to know, you know? it's too much it's like a lot to deal with sometimes because once you start to see it you like can't unsee it and then it's like am i crazy but then it's like no this is like legitimate like all the things we've said so far are not crazy they're legitimate you look- have, like fucking nda money at this point uh, the way that hollywood works so much of it is this back channel like weird shenanigans deals uh legal maneuverings organized crime all the hollywood stuff is just like a storefront on top of this horrific who knows what you know it's a whole octopus oops i shouldn't say octopus Octopus, that's a, that's a bad one to use, I guess. Uh, some other. I don't know. I feel like it's canceled. Everything is canceled right now. It's it's whatever. I don't care. Uh, octopus. It's like a big oh, octopus. Greta. <laughs> Greta thing are you talking about? 
Oh yeah, well I guess octopus is anti-Semitic because there is like that. Yeah, there's like this meme. I guess is one of like an octopus ruling the the world, and it has you know it has like kind of that shlomo. I don't know what to call it. Like kind of that like meme like of like a classic like I guess like Jewish man, and it's like a Nazi propaganda, and he's like um, the the octopus is like swallowing the world basically, and it has does have Star David above it. Somebody I don't even remember who because I'm trying not to pay attention to like any of this. I'm trying to be very disengaged, but someone did share it, and it was like oh. I didn't know it was Nazi propaganda. It was like somebody on the left, some leftist, you know, like celebrity, like shared like Nazi propaganda. It was like, oops, sorry. Um, and I think, yeah, I think actually Greta Thunberg was involved in this somehow too. I don't, I really don't know. Although I have like every model UN word muted. Like mm. I, people are going to get mad at me for that, but I have Russia muted. I have Democrat, Republican, uh, Jamie Curtis. I have like everything muted, dog. Like everything. <laughs> my TL is actually like pristine, like beautiful. It's like my friends writing pictures of cats, um, but very sparingly. Too many d- cat and dog pictures on the internet are like, that's like eating popcorn all day. Like, you know what I mean? That's why I fuck with Oso because it's he has bears. The bears are very cute. You know, it's nice. It's refreshing to see a bear. Uh, Oso Blanco. I, I don't know. He, he posts a lot of bears, but okay, speaking of bears and Russians, I need to pause because I need to introduce you. This is an opening salvo to, I think, like, what's going to be a legendary episode. I'm not going to lie. Like, no, I'm not going to lie. They're all legendary, but this one's going to be extra epic. This is going to be a meeting of the minds. I'm so excited to talk to this person for many reasons because it's been like months in the making. It's like, honestly, the timelines just could not quite converge. Sometimes when that doesn't happen, I start to worry that maybe people just don't want to come, you know, which is a natural no, inference. Not. But then I was like, no, I, I think this is just chaotic energy. We're going to work through it. There's an orange vibe shift happening. There's a lot going on right now. So we did, we, we finally did it. And actually kind of caught me by surprise. I'm not going to lie. I need to set this interview up and just say, I uh, didn't prepare for it the way I normally would because I thought it was going to be next Saturday, but there was a little miscommunication. It's all good. Cats were acquired in the process. We'll get into it. I am joined this afternoon here on the sunny West coast evening from somewhere in the east coast talented authoress just like a voice of the zeitgeist that is beneath the surface the hidden underground current which is the real pulse of everything that we think and feel in our world today she's got her finger on it i am telling you this woman is talented she's brilliant i'm delighted to have authoress i to say authoress i don't know why it's so rude author of uh, incurable Graphomania, a collection of amazing stories Welcome to the program, Anna Krivolapova. Krivolapova. Why can I not say your name? When you came onto the Zoom, I was just sitting here saying your name over and over. Anna Krivolapova. I cannot do it. You'll have to work with me. Welcome to Here Comes the Backlash. If you don't want to hang up, you know? No, so it's Krivolapova, and it means crooked paw. Can you say it again? Krivolapova. 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 Krivalopova. Yeah. It's fun to say. Okay. Kriv- Anna Krivalopova. Why, why, what is something that blocks me? It's like I have a demon or something. I, okay. Let's get you know, you know what's from? It's from a lifetime of, like, you know, like uh, Maria Sharapova. Maria Sharapova is how you guys yeah, say Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys say Dasha Nekrasova. She's She introduces herself that way, which is like, love yourself, Dasha. Like, make them say your name correctly. Oh. Dasha shares the name with, um. oh my God, it better be Nikolai. Or else I'm gonna get dogpiled. Nikolai Nikrasov, okay. this amazing poet. He has like a Pushkin-esque last name, and she makes everyone say it wrong. It, anyways, 
whatever. Wow. That's business. That sounds yeah. important. That sounds important. I don't know what it is. There is something that comes in me. There's like this programming. You know, my grandparents used to have like these Asian, these Asian friends. Um, that was this Japanese woman. I thought her name was Yashiko for like my whole life, and it was like Yoshiko. And I like literally thought. Oh, God, I know Yoshiko too. <laughs> well, I don't think this is the same. Probably the same one. This is a very old woman. I think it's a common. Probably like. Oh, I know Anne. I know. <laughs> it would be so funny. It was the same random woman. She was like a GI's wife. She was very sweet. But I actually saw her name on paper once. And I was like, oh my fucking God. We've been saying like, What? She lives in Kyoto? No, she's it's not. And it's not the same one. I promise you. This was like an old woman who's lived in like Monterey like a million years ago. Okay. Anyway, my grandparents, they, they had a whole thing. And now I've done it. Now I have this thing where I like constantly like say people's names wrong or I, I rename them constantly, which has just become like a <gasps> thing, you know? I'm a big renamer. It's bad. It's a bad habit. I'll like call someone by the wrong name because I had this like name stored in my head. Like, damn it, Steve. Like, you know, it was the program. <laughs> and like, whole time their name is like, like Evan or something. That's a little different. Okay, that's like just you got their name wrong. I was thinking more of just like I give them American my own version. Like fucking same thing to me. Like it's a really bad habit. It's a horrible habit. Okay, Russians know better. Like Ira, Olga, Svetlana, whatever. But like, yo, the American male names are like. I gotta, I gotta keep that shit straight. Hmm. There's something about Russians and Americans that I feel like is meant to be like, uh, you, uh, there's like a prophecy. There really is a prophecy. I don't even want to say where I uh, source my information from because I'll get canceled. But I did read this once in a, in a book and it made sense to me. I feel like it intuitively, uh, the world will be saved by the pre- togetherness. He said this too. Maybe he has. I, maybe it's he common said- knowledge and I'm like an idiot. Wait, let's find his exact quote. Um, I feel this deeply. It's Edgar, Edgar Casey or whatever. Yeah, I have it. I feel it. I feel it deeply. I think it's true. And I mean, like real America and America itself is a meeting of like, like white and black culture. That is really, truly America is like the interplay of those things in my mind. And so it's like, like culturally anyway. And Russia is the same way. Russia is like a cos- composite nation in some ways, right? It's like a blend of different peoples in a, in a sense. And it's, I don't know, they, we both love like sodas. I feel like the only place over there in like Europe, you will not find like a whole ass beverage case full of sugary sodas but you will i feel like i've never been to russia but i just feel this intuitively you could find it there you can find it in america and like nowhere in between <laughs> <laughs> okay so well okay we have shupuchka which means um pincher but like it's because like carbonation pinches you a little bit shupuchka you know what i mean um but okay, we also okay, have okay. kvass on the side of the road like do you know what is like russian root beer no, it sounds. Wait, I, I was just researching the history of root beers, but not. No, I'm not familiar with Why root beer? And a lot of the times it's like maybe 3% alcohol, like maybe 1% to 3%. But um, in Russia, like, you know, kids can drink it, everything. We have like barrels of it on the side of the road. Like some little old lady will like oh. give you um for like. Now it's probably like a, maybe almost a ruble, but it was like, I don't know, it was like 50 kopecks, I think um back in the day but like on a long road trip is so nice but that's like ah that's like beer like russians love beer, beer. beer. I don't know. We it love- sounds like that Harry Potter shit to me. I don't know. I don't, didn't read Harry Potter, but there's some kind of ginger beer, like I know beverage that like the kids drink in that. Maybe it's alcohol. That whole thing is like so satanic. But like I think uh that sounds like Harry fun Potter? that you're like 
Yeah, I feel like, well, I think Harry Potter is, well, I think it's lame, kind of. I just think it's, like, annoying. But I don't know very much of it. I know broad strokes because it's so culturally pervasive, but I never read it. I worked at the movie theater when some of the movies played, and it made me uncomfortable. There was literally a scene, I, mean, I just tweeted about this, there's a scene that I walked in just randomly, and it's, like, a fairy, and she's, like, splashing around in a bathtub. I think it was with, like, um, Robert Pattinson, possibly, it was, like, the boy. It was, like, sexual. It was, like, so weird. I was, like, you're at school. Like, why is this fairy trying to get with you? Like, this is so um i never read or watched any of harry potter honestly mm-hmm. like i wasn't allowed to as a little kid nice the, my no my literally my priest made an announcement at church saying that <laughs> all the kids in the church were not allowed to read harry potter because it's satanic no harry potter no halloween no playing cards what's what is it called like cards like, yeah, playing cards. Yeah, like the suits, right? Like hearts, diamonds. Yeah, yeah totally. Okay. It is, though. Well, they're interesting. There is something to that. They're not any different than tarot cards. If you think tarot cards are magical, I'll say they're not satanic. I'll say they're magical. They're definitely not what they seem. Well, I think, so Russia, Russia's like, everyone has had family that was in like either a prison camp or concentration camp. And mm. everyone's really sensitive to prison culture and concentration camp culture very sensitive to like you know getting tattoos is like spitting in your mom's face obviously you know with modernity modernization things are getting a little bit different but for the most part like you know there are some pretty heavy taboos on that kind of thing and cards gambling smoking um wife beaters like a lot of it's upsetting a lot of these things that people associate with russian i was gonna say (laughs) the fucking barrel it's like as if like everybody judged america based on like la prisons no no i I was just saying that like everyone in america has a conception of like the worst ethnic parts of every population because that's what they said here it should not pack on the indians anymore i've done it too much but like they're spilling over with these people of course there's a bunch of the worst ones obviously like India Indians, sorry. Like okay, from okay. India, I don't want to target them actually. Let's not pick on them. Let's just say yeah, in general, I think a lot of the culture, the people who come here, they're of course, it's like the poorest people. It's people coming here for like an opportunity, right? So it's like exactly as if they were, yes, and the are poorest people and they were representing all of America. They were like, you know. interesting. I have a kind of different experience. Like the Indians who come over and move to Northern Virginia, like, you know, we're working for like Cisco, you know, a lot of men. They're like, insanely educated everyone as far as they can remember in their family was super educated and i guess that's like the like okay my area is like super diverse like we have everyone but mostly um ethiopians and salvadorians and white people jewish people we got a lot of russians but they don't they're not like the biggest population um a lot of like we got a lot of nigerians too but not a ton of indian people Wait, are your Indians hot is my question. Are they hot Indians? Not the women, the men specifically. Disregard the women for a moment. Because there are hot Indians. And I'm just saying the majority of them, they are more educated for sure. Because I think culturally, that's just how it's still better than America. As soon as you were like, like, you know, you're telling me to picture an Indian. And I picture Ben Kingsley in that Anastasia Kinski movie, Harem. Oh my gosh. I'm picturing Ben Kingsley as Gandhi. I don't even know what Gandhi looks like. I don't. I don't even care. I just, honestly, I got like, Ben Kingsley. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. No, there are hot Indians though. There are. I promise, not I'm, that I'm, many I'm, though. 
I don't know. I'm not, I am not Indian. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm waiting for the Indian rumors to start because I could, like, Indian people have thought I was Indian at the time. Actually, them part Native Americans was like a different, they say feather, not dot here sometimes. Like, we will joke. It's I hear because, it. um, <laughs> it's because of your stash, it's very, um, it will, they took that from us. They're trying to be Western with their little stashes. I'm telling you. Well, I think, I, okay, honestly, I think <laughs> there should be kind of like a brave new world enforcement of facial hair hmm. none of the mutton chops shit okay there okay. needs to be like a nice okay like men have like a couple options okay short beard stubble like josh holloway stubble like that guy in lost yes i was just recording an episode about lost last night with uh, dusty uh Fausti and Tulpa. that's so funny you mentioned it because people keep mentioning lost to me this week it's so fucking lost, lost sorry it's a ever yeah you're gonna love it you're okay so are you saying that in your brave new world would i pass the test or am i being sheared am i being forced? no 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 like there's a picture of you at the barbershop oh yes <laughs> okay 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 i be keep saying i want to be american franco slash gaddafi i want to be like a hybrid of the two but maybe there's room for yeah what can we give you your last name? Everyone's like, oh, Anna K, oh, Anna K too. No, there's, everyone should have an Anna K in their life. I feel like it's very Russian to have like, it's like a, a Mary, you need like a sanctified, it's almost like a Buddha, you know, there's like, it's an office. It's, you know what I mean? It's an institution that one embodies or incarnates. There are a lot of Anna Ks. I feel like one day they're going to round us up, Harry Crews Feast of Snake Styles, and throw us into a fucking pit and and that's the end and no Never. more enemies. no one's Never. allowed to name their child anna if their last name starts with the k if you're an anna and you want to marry into the k you get got right there one day they're just gonna be like no more no more too much too much <laughs> never 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 not not under my franco dictatorship no even the opposite even though i rag on into it but like it is like fun i love those girls of course no anna k persecutions no it, we'll flip the script the anna k's will be running they will be the harem they will be running the like the show i feel like differences i mean you can boast being a published authoress you have a book out i think that's really amazing and awesome anna k because it's like it's just cool it's birthing something is this your first published book first of all yes this is my first book um it's funny it's not the first book i've written i have two novels that are like on the precipice of being finished Mm. Um, Mm. it's like when you knit a scarf and then you have to leave a man's um so i'm pretty excited about those one of them is something i've been working on actually for a decade oh i love it it. like exactly a decade i Mm. i kept having these dreams and um i would i wrote them i started writing them down uh it didn't touch it for maybe four years went back 
um, pandemic hit and I started writing so much more. That's when it all started. That's when I actually said, okay, I'm not going to like shove things into my desk. I'm going to try to finish projects. Um, Cause that was, you know, I, I always just wrote in the background. I'd never thought of it. I don't have an MFA or anything like that. I never went to school for English or writing. Well, you have um, you have incurable graphomania, though, as we know, right? So like, it's your struggle, but you like worked through the struggle. You found a way. To feel like you couldn't cure it, but you were like, I'm gonna work with it. That's which is the title, of course, of your your book of stories. It's true. Um, so I think I talked about this in an interview with a uh, shout out to Jesse, uh, I and Bruiser. We're just explaining my title, and it's kind of like a little tongue in cheek. Um. We don't really use that word in English a lot, graphomen. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't really know what it means. People think mm-hmm. I made it up, which is kind of cool. I don't mind. Sure, I made mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, Russians are going to, like, rip on people, like journalists or um, or authors. Like, oh, you little graphomen. Like, okay, Russians are all about, like, you know, love the game, hate the player. Like, they love literature, obviously, but they fucking hate writers, hmm. you know. Um, every every Russian writer is a self hating writer. That sounds like America. In, well, in some ways, it sounds it sounds kind of Jewish, actually. Like I feel like it, there's a streak of that in like American literature yes. to a sense, you know. Um, that's interesting, though, the distinction, or even the disdain for journalism. You know, like we hate, we like the news, but we like any information, but we hate journalists. You know. Yeah, exactly. You know, we read the news more than we read anything else we suck that down yet mm-hmm. like have nothing but contempt for the journalist that's a really good parallel yeah rightfully so, rightfully so of course <laughs> i wanted a kind of like you know a little bit of like a tongue-in-cheek like a little bit of irony for the title of this because i think that um especially short stories and especially these short stories are you know they all have a little bit of the absurd and i want you know, I, I want like when people are opening this, I want them to go in with very relaxed sort of, I don't, I don't know how to say it, like just get ready to have your arm twisted a little, you know? Just yeah, be open to the wave and like let it sweep you up because it was I don't know that's what I felt like it was kind of just like uh, it was easy to go along with it. First of all, you have an incredible style like your writing is really good like you're a great writer. It was interesting. It's easy to read, but it's like uh, provocative in this way. It's fun. Like it challenges you in the sense of like it's not what you expect. It's lyrical is like a gay word i hate that fucking word so i'm not going to use that but uh, it's like musical kind of there's like little notes and little like melodies run through it i think it's really interesting there's a lot of reference so it's kabbalistic to me in a sense there's a lot happening there's a lot of like tangential points which i think is like kind of like cool and magical because for example okay i need to find that some like it orange which i opened the book to i turned to some like it orange and i was like Damn, this is so interesting because, like, I've been preaching, uh, I've been preaching the orange vibe shift. I feel like Anna, you are very orange vibe shift coded yourself. You know, it's just like, Wait, what does that mean? I don't know. It doesn't mean anything necessarily. Okay. It can mean anything, but it's just like, well, okay, to me, it's like, um, it's kind of like uh, a playful 
wrath or a like happy retribution. It's kind of a little bit crazy, <laughs> but it's sort of like the order is getting upset a little bit. Things aren't working out for people the way they thought they would. Um, but and the fools are winning. That's like what it is. It's the fools are winning and the romantics are like going to win. And the orange vibe shift is like, oops, sorry. It's, I, it's like upsetting the apple cart. That's the way I'll describe it. I don't, I I don't understand it. So colors mean different things to everybody, obviously, but at the same time, you know, there are archetypes attached to them. Of course, of course. But yeah. Orange. This one is really specific to me. Um, which I, I do these little selfish things in my book where, you know, um, I've been told by my my friends in real life, they say, You have so many inside jokes with yourself in your writing. And I for a while I said, Wow, that makes me a terrible writer. And then I realized, you know what, fuck it, that's style. Um where I have like little like conversations with myself on the page mm-hmm. of all of mm-hmm. you. That's so orange. Okay. So this is a story. I told you this already, but I, this is a story Please. where one night I go to sleep. I dream this entire story. I wake up, I get on my computer. I don't get up for maybe eight hours. I, I finished the story. I edited it twice, get up. And it was all in one sitting. And Every single detail came to me in a dream. And the main character, Oksana. Mm-hmm. Oksana, yes. Is a woman I know. She, Her face in my dream was of this girl who I... Um, growing up, we, we went to different high schools, but we were both Russian and we knew of each other. And we never spoke. We would be at the same parties, avoiding each other. She was tall she had a really feline face like these long eyes thin eyebrows always like some fucked up dye job a really beautiful scary fox face scary looking person a lot of eyeliner every time someone told me about her it was the most fucked up shit i ever heard (laughs) and one day i heard something from someone close to me she sounds like trouble. She sounds like trouble and like exactly. kind of like uh you, trouble from a distance. Yeah, you're projecting something, you're projecting somebody who's you can just see this hurricane coming almost. She's kind of like a, she's a storm. She's like a little bit of a storm in this story. In a way. I can't believe you're saying storm. You have like such a like weird synchronicitous grip on that. <laughs> like we need to no, dude, we need to get into float tanks with like fucking copper wire between us, see what the fuck happens. Maybe we're already in one. I mean, just because I was gonna tell you the only time I ever spoke to her. We were standing on a storm drain smoking. After It was outside of a show. We had never spoken before. We had known of each other. She actually dated my brother for a bit. Um, We, like, dude, like, we just avoided wow. the fuck. Wow, wow. But you never spoke to her. You, she dated your brother, but you never spoke to her. No. I love it. No. I don't think that would yeah. ever happen with men. There's like a little, so there's a little bit of maybe even like a uh, cultural rivalry. There's like female rivalry a little bit too. And just like, and she's crazy. You don't yeah. need to have that energy in your life necessarily. So I get it. But like men would, would never do that, I feel like. And women would totally just be like, like she dates my brother and we do not speak. It's like so fucking crazy. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Oil and water. Um, we just didn't trust each other. And that's fair. You know? We're standing on a storm drain, smoking outside of a show one day. And she turns to me and she said, my dad fell through one of these in Russia one day and broke his neck. And the last that was the last time I ever saw him. And then she turns around. And then someone nearby is like, wait, you're both Russian? Because she had oh, always yeah. said she's Ukrainian. People, people like forget that it's really similar languages. Um, it's hard for Americans. She ever yeah. said to me. And then she walked away. And I never saw her again after that. 
but she saw her i had this dream about her backstory and i and i don't and it's definitely not really what happened to her but um i also uh, remember a while ago we were talking about um this evil guy i know who has like like just like weird nickelodeon shit yeah nickelodeon oh my god okay the he's nickelodeon like holes villain holes in the dream thing. yeah that's orange coded <laughs> yeah exactly okay but anyways the symbolism of orange is so chiburashka that little russian cartoon the little bear with the ears I, i'm gonna look him up go on go on so um in the very beginning of the show he arrives into the show in a box of oranges like a grocery store guy is opening boxes of oranges and then suddenly okay. there are fields and a little bear sleeping and he finds the little bear thing at home but orange you know there's pictures of like chiburashka sitting in his bedroom hmm. and there's like the orange box on the wall so and that always made me so she makes me cry i can't fucking watch that cartoon he's very, me... he, this is the his big ears yes like he's his big yes. ears, like okay and he's very adorable um and, and he's sitting there so wistful and like he has his oranges so obviously he came from some like faraway land and kind of misses it yeah because he has this little container oh. and so and in my dream okay like whenever I dream like a short story, like it all comes to me in images, but then like words. And I woke mm. up phrase some like an orange in my throat. Mm. Like I, I don't know who's whose phrase that is. It's not mine. But anyways, I, I thought about that and I was like, what does this mean? And then like, you know, as I'm transcribing it, you know, like Oksana's in the old she's in the crazy person ward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She knows how to break into the dementia ward and she steals all the old people's oranges. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm and so the oranges are like this symbol of like escapism you can't ever go back this kind of like sad dis yeah fucking sadness you know it was really cinematic to me it reminded me of true cinema i don't know how to describe it it's like new wave cinema or something like that to me mm -hmm. where it's just like very it's kind of impressionistic but it's um it's alternating there's just like a little bit of like a it's a little bit of a kaleidoscope so interesting you also you mentioned ocean city like there's just a random reference to these beach cities right in the atlantic and i have a connection to ocean cities and like i won't go into all of it now i had like a awakening in ocean city a couple months ago <laughs> okay i same same and it part of it happened during like a deluge during a storm which is so funny that you said that about her because it was like this crazy storm and I, we were trapped on the boardwalk and it was like this moment everyone was on their phones and i was like we're gonna die here basically because everyone kept saying the storm's gonna end in five minutes the storm's gonna end in five minutes but it kept going and i was like what if it's like the flood were you going what to if... secrets? wait what were you going to secrets no this was like on the boardwalk i was with family i'd never been to this shore before i'd never been to like the eastern yeah, seaboard I'd never been anywhere up there. Like the Atlantic Ocean was a mystery. I'm from California. We don't like swim up here in the ocean a lot. Like it's really cold. Right. So you like kind of like walk on the beach and such, but like it's very cold. Like the oceans are very cold. That feels good. That feels good. I mean, I guess I'm a cold plunge bitch. Okay, you could do a cold plunge. Actually, now that you say that, I do notice more people doing the cold plunge, but that's still not the same as like swimming. That's like working out almost. Like yeah um, but yeah ocean city just it was like random it's not an important part it was like a little just a little reference a passing reference but i was like dang it was right there and there was something right underneath it actually and i was like these are two little just like random synchronicities but I, which is why i appreciate and like a well-executed 
like a hyper referential style there's a lot going on and that like kind of is a language of itself but it's like talking to yeah. like in communication with things outside of itself appreciate that i think you're very like uh, skilled at that something i um um when i'm writing one thing that matters to me is like is building a trellis for the reader Ooh, i love that uh one time i was talking to my friend about poems and he said is uh you're talking about you know meter and rhyme and, and and structure and form and i forget who i was talking to but you know he said is it like a cage is is meter like a cage and i said you know what no it's more like a trellis Ooh. and and i kind of started apply that that phrase kept sticking in my head and i started applying it to everything um where i think these little points of reference they i don't know like it's like when you're running a relay and it's a cup of water because i truly believe everybody wants to read about themselves yeah, Every- yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I have a question for you on that, but before you go, I just want to don't the other reference. Yep. Says she worked the pool of a motel, and I was like, cool. I was like, I'm pool house, and so it was like Ocean City pool house. I had like felt this like connection to it. Obviously, I'm not suggesting. Uh, I'm not gonna shoot like John Lennon because I think like Anna is like sending me messages through her book. Yet we're not there yet. Yet let's just say, oh, but I, I feel I like, <laughs> but she kind of is low key, and I think like yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but wait, do you write for yourself first and foremost? Do you think about your audience? Does that matter? Like, what, how much does that factor into your process, like the reader? Okay. So I don't write for myself and I also don't write for an audience. I think if you write to an audience, you start to suffer. But I do consider, I, I consider the individual reading. I don't consider the world outside of that individual I tried what I I guess what I mean to say is I don't overexpose things. I don't overexplain things. My stories are the kind of ones you'll need to read a couple of times in order to make sense. Mm-hmm. Every time I read them, I notice a new motif or something strange. And I think that's because I get into this automatic writing center. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, like it just comes from somewhere. I was talking about this with Brendan on Tells Them All. It just comes from somewhere. Like, I, I didn't come up with this shit. I mean, I did, obviously, but... <laughs> it does seem like... You really did this a little bit. Like you've dreams about some of these stories, uh, like automatic writing. And it's something I relate to, too. It's kind of like... A, it's like a Gnostic thing, right? Where it's just like you're bringing forth these things. And people get so bent out of shape. Like, eh, Gnosticism, they don't understand any of this shit. They just heard... that. 18 months ago when they became a Catholic, they heard that Gnostics were bad. And so they're just like, okay, I need to be against them. But it's like not, it's just chill. Just chill for a second. Young like talks about a lot of this stuff too. You know, like there's like legitimate people. I agree with you hundred percent. Sorry, I'm down. No, please, please, please. It got dark. No, just no, do do whatever you need. You know, if you need to take a break at any point, right. like just Thank let you. me know. I have experienced it too, where you're just like writing things and you don't understand where yeah. it came from and i'm old right so i've written things and gone back to read them like many years later i've been like who the fuck wrote this like if I, why did the like, why did the person who wrote this get vaccinated like i literally i'm just like well this person's based like i'm reading things that i wrote and i'm just did like damn oh wait well i talked about this a bit on another podcast recently but yeah I, well i got a j and j shot which is like a little different because i did not want an mrna shot yep. i got tricked into thinking I, honestly Bodily health is downstream of mental health, which is downstream of spiritual health. And the thing is, everyone's going to die. And so you have to just be accepting of the fact that, like, there are so many things that could potentially end your life any moment. So don't really worry about it. I think that's the most important thing. 
people should do people either either become obsessed with your fact you're gonna die or like don't think about <laughs> yeah. it there's no point in just keeping it around like, all the time you should factor into your life decisions obviously and it should be kind of like you kind of have to be ready to die actually like i don't want to die but you have to kind of become like ready to die or oh, ready I, to be I, taken I down because i had a moment but also yeah i i didn't i didn't get the job i okay ever since i was a young kid and I saw those fucking signs in CVS that said, oh, get your flu shot and we'll give you five bucks. My contrarian Russian ass was like, fuck that. If you're fucking paying me for this shit, something's up. Fuck mm. you. Mm-hmm. Hold my dick. I'm not getting that shit. So I pandemic hit and I was so lucky. I was able to work from home and all that, avoid all this shit. I know so many people who like just didn't have, literally didn't have a choice. But I'm so relieved I was able to miss that because I, I'm pretty fucking healthy. I'm pretty active. I walk a lot. Um, I'm like, I don't know. I, I try to eat healthy. You know, I eat a lot of like basic, like, I don't know. I eat a lot of vegetables. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. vegetarian, vegan for most of my life. Wow. Wow. Um, But I, all of that is so tenuous, you know, that I was really scared. Like I've had a couple like autoimmune scares in my life, like every woman, you know? Mm. Which, you know, like, why is that? It's, it's like all part of the same thing. You're like, why is that? Like, why do women have yeah. so many like health issues like this? No, I just want to say, you know, I was so cautious about that. Um, You know, of course, of course. Yeah. Thought I was able to actually like make that choice for myself. But in terms of being ready to die, I went tubing with my friends a couple months ago. Like long story short, I, I like hit my head on a tree, on a fallen tree, got pulled underwater, held there. I actually, I lost consciousness for a couple seconds. I woke up underwater and I remember realizing like, holy shit, I almost fucking died. And if I died right now, that would be so fucking pointless. Like I have so much more shit I need to do. I have so much more to do. I, um... I don't know. I'm totally not not ready to die. I have so many projects in the in the cooking, you know? That's fair. And that's different though. That's different. That's different. I think that's that's part of the like not wanting to die. You have an obligation to yourself to bring those forwards. And so you you won't because you have that obligation. That's part of the thing though. It's like you mm-hmm. have that commitment to your uh to your projects and you'll deliver them as you as you need to, right? But the I guess the willingness is different to me than the preparation. Maybe it's like maybe it is a willingness but not readiness. It's like about fearlessness, really. It's about being fearless. And like that is the ultimate, the ultimate tool is fear that's used against everybody. And so you have to just be like, I can't be afraid of anything. And then it's like, you can't, if you laugh at everything, then they can't fucking push you around. They can put you in a dungeon and they can fucking throw you down a flight of stairs. But if you like fucking not going to give them the satisfaction of being afraid of them or like being like anything, don't give them the emotional energy because that's really what they want at the end of the day. I'm very convinced. Are you a prepper? <laughs> not really like i i mean there was an earthquake last night oh my god Chan. There oh, was okay. earthquake while i was recording yeah you know, i was like yeah it was small it was a really big jolt actually it was, i i actually think that this earthquake was it was right under the airport and i think they're building something under the airport that like they they blew, that's i'm totally telling you because it was the weirdest earthquake it was so short it was just like this like dun 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 it wasn't like a long like earthquake earthquake it was almost like a like a buckling or like i guess nope. Drop that dun dun dun. 
drop almost. It was like a drop. It was very weird. Mm-hmm. I was recording too. It was really wild. It was wild. And so I, I don't know. Okay, I just I'm feel like recording though. Then the next one. it was crazy. No, it was crazy for real though. So I like, I am a prepper in that sense. I bet your first AK, right? But like, and my dad was a cop too. Okay. So my dad was a cop. So I'm paranoid. I do have like that streak. That's why I have cop stash. I don't know. I'm like literally becoming, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. It's, you become your parents just warning you. Just warning you just (laughs) um, in the best ways and the best ways in some of the crazy ways don't need to dwell on um like death because we're not here to discuss death i'm just saying there is a sense of fearlessness that you have to kind of cultivate and it's good to cultivate that for your own self because you have to be fearless to be able to do that as you had to be to like deliver to the public it's hard to put yourself like out there like as even as confident as like you probably are in your writing because you are a badass like it's hard <laughs> to share things right it's hard to like put yourself out there people are going to criticize it it's right? hard to not be superfluous no, that's impossible for me. I've never, no, never it's, it's hard to care. not feel like, wow, this is this has absolutely no utility. Why am I doing it? Why are you people reading it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I feel like we're both motivated by the heavens in a way, right? Like I feel like if you feel like you're doing it for something else, even if it's like your own self-deluded uh spirituality, let's say, or your own cosmology is just motivating you to do it, that's like still better than not doing it, you know? Okay, it's honestly, than- I can't to be totally honest, I don't see any reality where I don't write. I, I couldn't see it for you either. Like, you seem deeply connected to, like, just, like, a creative, the spiritual world almost. I feel like creativity comes from, like, a spirituality, essentially, and you seem, like, naturally uh, in tuned with it. I think it's a Russian thing, to be honest. Russians and Americans are, like, psychic in their own different kind of ways. And ours is, like, kind of artificial. Russians are, like, more naturally psychic, organically psychic versus, like, uh, like demonically psychic. Speaking of being psychic and being afraid of death, so last night I was reading the Thomas Pynchon intro to Been Down So Long, It Looks Like Up From Here. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes. And it's a beautiful, beautiful... I don't want to say it's an obituary to his friend, Richard Frina, but it's beautiful. Like he has so much love for his friend and he had so much hope. And it's, um, I wish we had, so Richard Farina, he, um, he wrote in this way where he, you know, he was, he had a little bit of like a cocky tone to it mm-hmm. and he was definitely autobiographical, but se- you know, semi pseudo autobiographical, but you know, he always had this like cockiness, this like protective layer to himself. And I love like the Thomas Pynchon intro because you finally get like a glimpse of that gentleness that he had. Hmm. Richard right. Free. Yeah, his book's been been down so long. It looks like up to me. And it's perfect that Pynchon, of course, is writing it because there is a Pynchon kind of quality to his writing and to your writing. I don't like to say it because it's like hard to compare. It's not right. But there's this kind of... um you're speaking like the lexicon of mysteries i feel like in a lot of ways too and, <laughs> and but there's a kind of a, a language 
Exactly. So it's like you're doing it in your own way, but there's kind of like academies, maybe. There's like these bigger, like, kind of like, I've told you this too. It's so protective too. Sometimes, although this happens really, really rarely, I guess, because, you know, like my subject matter, but I get protective when I read things that are too close. Like, yeah, no, it's, it is hard. No, it's hard. At the time, I didn't understand that that was like a good sign. If you were on the same track, that's maybe not like a that's not a bad thing, right? Anyway, so the point being that I feel like it is okay to have those influences because it's like a it's like a network kind of. Everyone's doing it in their own way, in their very own unique and distinct way. It's not apples to apples, right? It's not exactly the same from person to person yeah. in, in any sense, but there's these little Venn diagrams that connect all these different kinds of people through history. And I feel like it's like a current. I see it as like a family tree almost. Do you know what I mean? I also do appreciate how... Um... Nowadays, you know, with the internet and with, you know, discovery so close on, ev- you know, on everyone's fingers, um, there's almost this like unapologetic system for taking titles, recycling things. Okay, like, mm. for example, the phrase, been down so long, it looks like up from here. Mm. That's taken from a blues song. Drake used it in Fake Love. Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood mm-hmm. recorded a song with that name. The Doors recorded a song with that name. And if you think about it, like... It's just, it's the truest shit. And also, um, and this is kind of paranoid, but like that phrase has been used so many times. And Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood, I don't think that they're spooked up, but they got so for a while that how could they not be? Drake is spooked up. I almost feel like it's like the universe mocking Richard Friggin's death sometimes. Oh my God, that's, and you're fucking freaking me out because it feels so true now. Like it feels so true mm-hmm. and it's hermetic. When you were speaking, I was like, oh, it's a hermetic phrase. It's so been down so long, looks like up to me as above, so below, right? Like it's a coded, it's like an, it's like an in, in, inversion of it kind of, right? And so, he's, but he's inverting, but Farina is inverting their phrase, right? He's taking their phrase and kind of from their fucking cube <laughs> from their fucking like dimensional cube whatever and they're like little matrix right and he's like no but i'm gonna get out i have my own way because he has style you're right he's gonna write his way out and then he has a horrific motorcycle crash it's very tragic uh you know in carmel valley where a lot of more of like various figures um wasn't it his wedding night i th- maybe so I've heard different accounts. I think he was married to someone before he married Mimi Farina. And I think they had some kind of commitment ceremony. I think that's correct. I think he had a uh, previous, like, uh, what you call it. Okay, so he was from... Okay, that, this is the Wikipedia. Um, Let's see. Okay, the White... Oh my gosh, he's a regular patron of the White Horse Tavern in the Greenwich Village. Oh my gosh, it's like too much. Are you kidding me right now? I don't know. Maybe that was his only wife. Oh, no. Caroline Hester. Oh, she's famous too, I feel like. She's a folk singer. So he was married to some some other woman from Texas. And then uh, that was like in like the, yeah, the 60s. And then he married... They were only married for two years. Oh, yeah. And then he married okay, Mimi Baez in 63. Um, and they were married, I guess, for three years before his death. So let's tell the listeners why we got on a Joan Baez trip. Okay, yes. So ex- exactly. I think this is important. This all came about, I guess, I went to spiritual war with uh, Joan Baez this summer. I'm going to call it a draw. I don't think there was a winner or a loser. I think it's, it might still be ongoing. She I was trying to stop the orange vibe shift. What? So Joan, Joan Baez you- was a dark force in my subconscious, which is okay. I Let me tell you, I don't even know what her voice sounds like. I don't listen to her. Um, my dad's side of the family 
are big fans of Joan Baez, Jenny Mitchell, Judy Collins, the whole Triple mm. J, whatever. Um, but no, I, so this is, this is a dream I had. I was running up a highway and the highway was turning into water. And I started running backwards because, you know, I was about to get drowned by this current and there are cars driving by me and they go straight into the water like they're aquatic but i'm you know i'm this like weak little being and i start to go underneath the bridge that i was running on and underneath the bridge were all these statues these gold statues of different animals ibexes lions um alligators and they're all gold gold shining gold And the sun's setting and the sun's glinting on all these statues and I'm running towards the statues and these people drive by me and they're like, stop running that direction. That's Joan Baez's house. She's going to send the cops after you. And I was like, I'm driving. I don't, I mean, I'm drowning. I don't have a car. Like you guys are all in a car, these like aquatic cars and I'm drowning. Mm. And um, I keep running and I see Joan Baez's house and it's this big like cement structure, like something that could be underwater, like some kind of like underground Atlantis shit. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. these weird statues of animals all over. And um, I get arrested by police and I get sent to this like yeah. prison library where there is a Thai girl, like a girl from Thailand and she's showing me that there's perfume hidden in all the books. And she's like, you know, this is what we live on. This is the only food they give us. And it was like this really fucked up weird dream. But I woke up and I was like, Joan Baez is a fucking witch. Why am I thinking about her? And I, and then like, I saw this picture of Alana with Joan Baez standing behind her with her hands like, kind of around her throat, like in an affectionate way, but a little, if someone was doing that to me in a picture, I would say, hey, space. You know, don't put your fucking hands around my neck, right? And I, I love yeah. Lana. I, I love yeah, yeah, her. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Lana's like Glenda the Good Witch, man. I love her. Like she's definitely got some kind of spiritual power, but I don't think that she's a dark figure. I don't think she's evil. But Joan Baez is a witch. Lana needs to stay away. I, Lana needs our protection. Like that's why I feel like we need to support Lana because I think she could be pulled. Well, all of us can always be pulled to the dark side, right? I. She's like really impervious. I love you said, I, you said ibexes. Like I love like that's like yaks, right? Like I know they're animals. I've uh, heard of them. They're like they're horror creatures, right? Different than yaks. One sec. <laughs> okay. Um, ibexes have some kind of spiritual uh, symbol symbolism for you. Um, yaks kind of do. I, I think all horn. They're all. They seem like benevolent horns. I feel like there's bad horn. I'm not a Capricorn. I have some Capricorn stuff down, but I'm not. I'm Sagittarius. <gasps> Good. I'm a Pisces. Oh, I, I love that. I feel this is not, this show is high Pisces like ratio of guests. Oh, it's oh insane. My God. No. You're probably like you gotta probably have a lot of Pisces in your chart. I I, it, I think it's just compatible, but I but like slight like uh, tempering effect on my insane uh, Sagittarian tendencies. Fortunately, otherwise would be, this would never. Oh, Virgo Moon. That's the only way I can finish things. That's okay. Same, same. But it's like also this brutal process, like through which I have to destroy myself through criticism in order to get anything done. In, in some ways, do you know what I mean? It's I take criticism. Like... Um, honestly, like I, I um, I want. I get a lot of criticism in certain areas of my life and none in others, and it's really confusing. Um. I, I have this really like extreme yin yang experience with other people where mm-hmm. I'm either shown like 
disproportionate kindness or people are like go out of their way to like make me feel like shit put me in the right place but like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, i do mm -hmm. um i do sort of like I have, i'm i'm a very harsh critic of myself mm -hmm. and i do get sensitive but i also like especially um if we're talking about writing like negative feedback would be I think it, it's a stage where I appreciate when people give me negative feedback, actually. If it's super nasty, like whatever, fine. If it's funny, the best constructive criticism or like negative feedback comes from the, the homeless. Like they are fucking so real. They will fuck your shit up in a heartbeat and just be like, so there's, I think I get called a faggot by these people like so often. I got into it actually with one of the other, well, I, I, I got into it. I didn't hear that experience for myself recently. I'm constantly mixing up with these people. It's out of control. But there's this one that called me like a faggot. He was like in a dress. And I was just like, and the whole reason is he, like, he was stretching out on the street. And it's like, I get you live there, but he was like locking the road on purpose to like make these again Asians always like all this like black versus Asian shit playing out before my eyes. He's blocking the sidewalk, right? They were trying to walk and he was clearly doing it just to like be an asshole. And I was like, move. I was like, just like move. <laughs> like you don't own this like area. Like, you know what I mean? Like, ugh, whatever. Like, I, I'm not rude. I, have, I do have compassion, but it's, this was like clearly just like egregious behavior. And I said something and he was like, faggot. And I was just like, really? Because he was like, really? <laughs> I didn't go back to him, but I do like it i like that they're willing to go there and i feel like that's why i'm comfortable saying things to the, the people in the street sometimes point being i love okay, but let me say, let me say this. i'm sorry <laughs> no, no, no. you stepped outside your body and you watched a vine of all this happening you didn't think it was funny as shit I wish they could be. I wish they could be a show. Honestly, it would be sad now because of like the fentanyl thing. I really have this belief. Like, I think the streets were so different. Like a couple of years ago, what honestly, like like fentanyl, like something changed oh. with like the drugs, and so the the situation is much more severe. It's never great, of course, to have people living on the streets, but I think it was just very different. It was much more like. It was gritty, obviously, but it was like not at the edge of like madness. Now everyone's like on the edge of madness. And there was like all this, everyone's a hoarder. Like everyone's like, just like out of their minds can barely walk. And it, it was not like that before. The homeless people were grungy and stuff, but they were functional people still. You know, like they were like- Yeah, no, no, no. Free clinics are the devil. I've heard, it is hard because it's like the idea of wanting to help people of course i think everyone agrees with but it's like these biden crack pipes to me seem like a, a misstep <laughs> you know the fact no, that they exist that means, you know um, there are a lot of them that are kind of like false friends oh you know, yes they offer, yeah, okay. they offer services but instead it's either like an intelligence operation mm -hmm. or okay the most like banal uh explanation for it is homeless people okay a lot of them can't read or if you show them a contract they don't know what they're signing mm -hmm. uh if you give them like a fucking 20 dollar subway gift card they're gonna like scribble whatever give you whatever that you need so the most banal explanation is like a lot of these people are possibly victims of some kind of pharmaceutical trial mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. It's a, it's really expensive to like have actual healthy people participate in your drug trial and you know the data is less easy to manipulate but this is a situation where like you have these people coming in for drugs for medical help for abortions whatever and you have them on the hook and um you know obviously you know through parapolitics and things like that we know that 
um, MK Ultra and the Manson family. Mm -hmm. A lot of these issues in the sixties were popping up. Um, Jolly, uh, Jolly, and Jolly and oh, West. Jolly West, yeah, yeah. He was treating alcoholics in free clinics, but actually giving them acid. So, who's to say? that all this bullshit that's happening in philly san francisco all over isn't Everywhere. some kind of experiment um on these almost people like some kind of extermination program i'm they glad you said that i'm glad you said it because when i say i get called you know a fa- i like always called like a fascist and like i hate the homeless or whatever but like i agree i think that was what was going on here and let's go back to the 60s because i think that's the blueprint it's, it is a blueprint and, and to, you said pharmaceutical trial and it is that to a degree i think it, though it's like a it's a military program almost in a way it's like an mm-hmm. intelligence program you know it's all one thing I don't really think there's like a separation really between like the private sector and like the, the state. It's, it's like the Mila Kunis situation with Ashton Kutcher is like the private sector and the state, you know, they're, they're just cute check on each other. But you're totally, you're totally right about all that. During COVID here in the city, they set up this like tent city that was like, you couldn't see into it. It was very creepy. It was very fucking creepy. I, I was disturbed by it because it was by the library. It's by City Hall where all the homeless congregate. It's like the weirdest thing. Um, but they set up this thing that you couldn't see into it. These high fences. It was so weird and it was there for months and i was like are they gonna like vaccinate these people quote unquote you know like what is going okay eventually it shut down like 2021 what go on all right so or picture this early covid me and one of my best friends we're like bored as hell you know got tired of tv take out that telescope we start spying on people and we're like looking into apartments you know watching nobody was like fucking or doing anything that interesting but there were like couples fighting it was really interesting and voyeuristic and then like we pan the telescope over to the days in in dc on Connecticut avenue and we see like people wearing those big like blue trash bag poncho suits that like doctors wear mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're chemo And we see them like standing out on the street, like sparking a blunt. Like I get from far away. Okay, it's not a cigar. You're not smoking a fucking cigar. There's a difference in style. Yeah, for sure. How you smoke. Fucking backwards. I see it. You know, zoom, 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 enhance. That's a fucking backwards. Okay. Maybe swish or sweet. Who knows? But we're like, yo, what the fuck is going on? That's not a doctor. And there's like a bunch of other them. And like some of them start fighting. There's like more poncho people pulling them back mm-hmm. all this weird shit all this weird fucking shit and that's where the burger king was and so we're like okay wait let's go get a burger king and like see what's up because <laughs> we're stupid right and um so there was like some kind of like temporary like covid shelter but there was like hella insane homes people being taken into this quarantine and I remember thinking, like, okay, something sinister is going on. <laughs> like, okay, they're yeah. pumping up the, those are they're pumping up those rookie numbers, man. Like, they found a way. They're hurting up all the homeless people. But then a couple months later, crazy tent cities all over DC. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same, right? Like a whole new wave, though. It's like a whole new wave of like. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wait, okay, so wait, okay, whoa, the Burger King. Okay, so Burger King. I feel like they were giving away free Burger King for vaccines. Like in New York, it could be like there was a partnership between Burger King and this thing. Was it close to the Burger King? Like you said, you went there to like spy on this. Yeah. How close was it to the the uh, the center? 
the, the quarantine like center in the same building burger king is a front no one eats burger king nobody eats burger king nobody eats burger king it's a fucking front for something i've always been like what is burger king you know it's i mean there was a burger king heyday let's be real okay there was a burger king heyday. there was a home of the whopper time for sure but it was short-lived i would say it's over by the early 2000s at best it, it's not a y2k it's like over by y2k i would say even it's like a 90s thing so but there's still burger kings and there are, i've noticed weird things just with burger kings being around and them closing down and reopening i know i haven't okay i'm gonna have to look into this so side note on that one but it's very interesting that it was by that i think it's interesting that this was happening in lots of cities and i find it uh disturbing we may be on to some like crazy we're like that movie um have you ever seen the movie dick about watergate <laughs> it's mm-hmm. got um oh my gosh it's so cute actually you would like it because it's not, not great but it's like good it's um what you call michelle williamson and kirsten dunce and they play like these ditzy girls who like solve watergate it's so funny it's not that, that sounds like one of my short stories who like one of their adderall dealer dies and they're like trying to find out what happened that reminds me of that that's awesome i I love that premise like good burger like two ditzy friends solving a mystery cracking the mystery the wise fool Mm -hmm. archetype that's my favorite archetype Mm -hmm. nixon uh nixon had a business called nixon burger and i still think i believe everything goes back to nixon burger kind of it was like in the 50s in california and i think it was well yeah richard nixon's a whole fascinating very fascinating person one of these like first like the like fake uh fake people you know who like are kind of not born into it but like kind of get like lifted into some position of power or like influence not like greatness yeah yeah like he's like he's plucked he's like a a plucked from like the people's kind of uh, version i feel like joe baez i feel like is a born into a person so like joe baez is what what? you think so you don't think wasn't her father like what was her father wasn't he like a high uh ranking um a jehovah's witness or no no what was their what was their thing Uh, it was actually perfect transition i'm gonna get into my joan baez spiel all right please okay so Joan Baez. Sorry, I'm back. back. In the Joan Didion essay, Where the Kissing Never Stops, written 1968, Mm -hmm. which is part of um, Slouching Towards Bethlehem, her collection. And so Joan Baez was born to a Quaker mathematician, I believe, who worked for Stanford, IM, MIT, and I believe Harvard. I'm trying to. See yeah, the-, the Quakers are are like they're 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 what you call it like gooked up not gooked up that's not the right hey. term <laughs> they're like um what's spooked up oh my gosh there's good Quakers and bad Quakers first of all there's two types I, I feel like people should know I don't know the difference all I think all the Quakers they probably are absolutely I got a little Quaker in me oh really no so it's yeah and I do okay I love like a Amish I love like a, a Dutch Quaker I love the but I think the modern organizations huge vendetta against the Amish and I think she's so right wait who like, has a vendetta my mom she hates the Amish oh, and I can't, I think she must be right but so yeah. she was born to a Quaker dad no wait sorry her dad was a Mexican Methodist and her mom was a Quaker and I believe her mom was an East Coast Quaker which okay. is interesting because my my Quakers are East Coast Quakers but listen when she was at her little Quaker church, she met this guy who was teaching Sunday school, Ira Sandpearl, who is such a spook, okay? On so many levels, okay. So 
he spoke a bunch of languages, including Russian. Um, he was like highly, highly educated, connected to everybody. He was obsessed with Gandhi. He um, so he basically was Joan Bias's handler. Like he basically discovered her and gave her a career. Say his name again, like one more time. Ira Sandpearl. Perfect. So he was teaching Sunday school in the Quaker church. And apparently he bonded with Joan Baez, who was in high school at this time over politics. Okay. Mm. Okay. Groomer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Many such cases. He but... had polio as a child, which automatically makes him a lying spook. But Joan was, which, was, which was probably vaccine injury. Cause that's what we learned about like FDR. He didn't even have polio. It was the vaccine injury. <laughs> Agreed. And he's a Pisces man. Cannot trust. Do not trust. Do not <laughs> <laughs> sorry basil sorry basil anna said not me <laughs> Honestly, no i i i love i love some pisces men to my no, sagittarius and pisces men actually are very similar i think <laughs> bull of heaven i don't know if you follow bull of heaven he's like this astrology guy online i, I really like him and he, he often writes about for some reason sagittarius and pisces men and together like and it's like oh he's really true okay. Yeah, it is interesting <laughs> it's like, i feel like it's different i think it's um similar outcome this is my theory it's similar outcomes uh expressed but from different impulses within like we have similar tendencies but they're like coming from different places that's interesting I, I definitely think pisces and sag are the most like wild card signs that's true it's tr- so right. true it's so, so true. Joan anyway, sorry go on covered by this pearl guy who basically streamlined her career immediately all mm-hmm. of a sudden the two formed the Institute of the Study of Nonviolence. He was the president. Mm-hmm. They went to the March on Washington. They went to a lot of, let me find this really quick. Um, she was a star. Yeah, she was huge. Uh, you get a sense of nowhere. And she was not nowhere. She never had any musical training. And she basically, um, oh, you know what? Sorry, that's why I can't find it because it's in slashing towards Bethlehem. But basically, she immediately was given a career. Talk about industry plant. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And different. <laughs> so it says in 1959, um, I'm not sure. She was young, very young. But a friend took her to the first Newport Folk Festival mm-hmm, where she mm-hmm. basically headlined. So, you know, she was headlining concerts and she was performing with Bob Dylan and, and like all these people like right off the fucking bat. She was basically mm-hmm. like Olivia Rodrigo. It was even worse because at least she was on a show first. Like at least like, Olivia Rodrigo was on the Disney Channel for a minute. Okay, good like, job. You know yeah. what I mean? They, at least they got a little smarter. No, you're right. This feels like a blueprint like of all of it's that. Funny. And the Joan Didion piece, I could, I read it last winter. It was last December. It was, I was in Sacramento. She has a, a piece in that book about Sacramento as well. She talks about it. What the fuck? Like she's like going to this festival. It's not even clear. Like the leap from person, like random girl to artist. Girl. Yeah, Sunday school girl to like headlining folk artist is very confusing because it is not explained okay so this girl's now like joan she's now taylor swift right like, it's, okay what's going yeah. on and then yeah you're right you get a sense from that piece and uh even from history too my mom's a huge joan baez fan i have a weird family connections to like joan baez in this weird weird way but anyway oh, no 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 sorry i was just looking for my um highlighted here we go okay so so much hot yeah her dad worked at mit stanford and harvard ding ding Um, ding ding ding. like bark 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 super early in her career she started singing at negro colleges i'm quoting joan didion 
nobody get mad at me. (laughs) She's saying at Negro colleges. um, And she was always where the barricade was. Selma, Montgomery, Birmingham. She's saying at the Lincoln Memorial, at the March on Washington. Um, She basically, uh, they they would um, debate the Hells Angels. You know, basically, they would stand in front of like protest barricades and like debate Hell's Angels, which are obvious spooks. We all know that. Um, yeah, they're harassing me. They've been like I'm harassed weekly by the Hell's Angels. They drive by my apartment constantly. Well, I, I won't go into my gang stalking, but too much. But there is like constantly this like motorcycle like parade that just will happen randomly. It's always when I'm recording. Uh, and during the time I recorded the AIDS episode with Nick, it was like almost like a continuous noise. My producer was like, uh-huh. what the fuck is going on? He was freaked out because he's the rational, like skeptic one. And he was like, what the fuck? Because it was like constant noise for like two hours. It was like. That's so but you know, and then the people are like, well, that's crazy. They're gonna spend money. Hell's Angels. Maybe it's all. Maybe it's just the Matrix playing tricks on me. Who knows? You know, that's not my point. The Hell's Angels are spooks, though. If they, if it was anybody in real life, it would be the Hell's Angels doing this, which makes me mad because I feel like the Hell's Angels should be on my side. They should be the spooks who are like, uh, like pro patriot. You know what I mean? They should be like the like Jack Prasobiec, like, um, you know what I mean? Turning Point USA kind of like spooks where they're like, we're pro like Trump and all that stuff. You know what I mean? I don't think they would be like, they shouldn't be coming for me. It's not fair. I get but whatever. a couple of times by a very niche genre of spook. Um, second generation African guys who work for DHS. Wait, it could just be like, it's just terrifying. There are a lot of these dudes in my area who are just horny, but I get hit on a lot. I don't, that's fascinating no it's weird it's fascinating I was at the farmer's market and I like this guy like sat on my bag so that all my apples fell out of my bag and then he starts like picking them up dramatically like he's doing me a favor I saw this whole thing right I was I was standing there and I was listening to the black Hebrew Israelites which <laughs> I I'm a huge fan yes, they're really interesting I think they're so great I think they're so funny i love them they so in my area they stand out across street from h&m mm-hmm. and or the farmer's market and they basically just like clown you for your purchases you know like i was like sitting there with a cold brew and they were like oh you buying food on the sabbath but like that's a <laughs> but and and like they kept, like you know oh next weekend you'll know not to buy food on the sabbath not to engage in commerce um no buying and selling and, and they're like reading bible entries and they're like you know and on the seventh day you must rest whatever and then like i love it when like there's a girl's coming out of like h&m or whatever and they're just like leggings lycra spandex like all this is working the devil like you need to go home and like like it's just like they're so like funny reading and it for phil like, oh, it's like the homeless it's like the homeless people hearing the oh, like, shit out of their ass and then like occasionally reading a bible verse and like walking around these dope ass outfits and they're so noited and funny and i love it okay today they were like holding out a map and they're like okay white people if like when i walked by them they said at ease and they had this like special like way that they were standing like military to like let a white woman pass by but then every time mm-hmm. black people walk by, they would be like, yo, come here. Point on the map where your ancestors are from. And then, like, some guy would point somewhere. And they would be like, wrong. You're from New Canaan. Yes! There I, love them. I love them. I love hoteps, dude. I like a Moor. Do you know the Moorish people? Like, people who are like, I'm Moorish. Like, the one, the Mo- I met a Moor. Um, oh, my God. I was at the movie theater. And this guy was like, 
I'm writing a play on Pushkin. I'm a Moore. And um, I was like, yo, like, I could help you translate Pushkin for this work. But he never emailed me. So I never got maybe he will. Maybe he will. The fact that maybe it was in the movie theater. Very, right. <laughs> I think this is meant to be. That movie theater element, very pool house coded. I have a, I'm deeply connected to the cinema because of right? I, I worked in the movies for a long time. I was I am a projectionist. No one understands. It's a skill. It's like a craft. I had to do. I had to learn something that was like done with hands. It's not a really relevant skill, unfortunately, anymore. But it was something I did. I would not last at any kind of place yeah. that plays like actual film. You know, like all those like cinemas. Like, well, actually, there's a random cinema that falls follows me on Twitter and I'm like, what well, does your boss know you're doing this? It's like some like um art house like throwback type cinema. And like, where is the shout out to that that theater? I forget um which one it is, but it's like this really funny little theater. And I'm like, what? It's real. I went to their website. I was like, oh, you're legitimately following me for your business account. <laughs> like somebody's gonna get in trouble. Maybe today. someone who works there who thinks you're cute. Selling folk songs and little dirty books. The place was full of happy, hopped up hippies at the time. All morning long, he hadn't made a dime. He was a green rich village, folk shot salesman. You should have heard the bag he was in. He was a green rich village, folk shot salesman. He'd jump up and sing one now and then. about the economic opportunity program what's that Okay, but let me reel this back in. Okay, because I think you have some original research uh, on the diggers. So let's connect them to Joan Baez and Joe Didion a little bit. So Joan Didion mentioned that um, Joni Mitchell was... Sorry, I, I okay, I'm going to be doing that a lot. Joan Baez and Joni Mitchell are the same person to me. And so, Taylor Swift. And they're all Taylor Swift. <laughs> right. So there was this movement, the For Free movement. You know, Joni Mitchell has a song For Free, which Lana covered at the end of Chemtrails. But um, they had this movement that was basically socialist and basically saying, like, the government is wasting your money on war. Don't pay taxes. Come to our cookout. Get free food. Live off the land. Be a fucking hippie. Whatever. And so the diggers are like a chaotic manifestation of this mindset um if anyone's read watermelon sugar the group um that goes to the forgotten works and pokes around all the time and causes a ruckus and the guy who cuts his nose off in my interpretation of watermelon sugar as someone who's very familiar with brodigan's biography is that this was a kind of a turning point in his, his career where he was affiliated with the diggers, but he was starting to condemn them because mm. he was seeing that like the destruction and the, the sort of infiltration that was happening within the diggers. And, um, you know, like, I know I have a Hilda Hoffman PFB, but I'm not much of a digger lover. You know? <laughs> okay, let's just talk about the diggers a little bit. Actually, mention this book. So this watermelon sugar. This is not a Harry Styles song, right? This is a um, this is a text also. It's a beautiful short novel by Richard Brogan that describes a post-apocalyptic civilization that basically runs on watermelon. The the most um, bountiful crops that they have are like watermelon, carrots, 
and trout. And so everything made out of watermelon sugar and trout oil and watermelon trout oil. And um, it's this kind of like simple utopia that he describes. And then as the novel goes on, there are little cracks revealed in the order of the civilization. And there are these rebels. There's a rebel group that breaks off. And then there's a tragedy at the end. And it's a very simple, beautiful book that almost matches the cadence and the style of like a Greek myth. You know, it's beautiful. It's incredible. This is published uh, like late 60s or when does this uh, come out? Oh, I want to say 67. Let me check. I'm really fascinated by the 60s. You, you kind of asked me a little bit about, about the difference between like organic maybe movements and co-opted movements and, and the mm-hmm. idea that like 60s is this whole engineered thing. I don't think so. I think the 60s is an engineered like response to something real. I think there was, first of all, very confusing that they flooded everybody with LSD. Like, I think it's very strange that like okay, the intelligence the diggers, agencies. I think the diggers were sent in to, um, to kind of shit coat all this stuff that was going on because the diggers okay listen so the diggers um they were connected to um to there was a communications company called comco which is okay i love it <laughs> what a fun name and so they connected you know have you heard of ramparts magazine Yes, for sure. Yeah, it was a, my, I'm a big fan of Mae Russell. She's like a 60s and 70s researcher, and she was published, yeah, in, in Ramparts. Mae Russell's great. So fucking amazing. There's all these interesting little things where, like, Ramparts basically gave this company mimeograph um, machines, and they made all these posters and, and uh, flyers and things like this. They were, like, propaganda. Um, and then it's just, it's just interesting how this kind of grassroots movement had a lot of interesting people like the guy um who started gonzo journalism with uh stedman i forget his name i think it's not like um i don't know who started it. it's not um thompson right i don't know who started gonzo. no 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 it's um it's someone else he's I like the, the big He's got the big nose on the Muppet Show, right? <laughs> Just no, that's Gonzo. That's Gonzo. Gonzo. Yeah, but basically, um, you know, they started producing all these high-quality magazines, you know, newspapers, like counterculture things. But then later, as they started going on, some of the magazines started getting a little weird, like mm-hmm. having kind of like, like, you know, depicting like rape and sexual assault, and even like sexual assault of children, like child porn. So, you mm-hmm. see what I mean? Where I get this? Feeling. No. Mm-hmm. The diggers were this like really chaotic and and like so they themselves talk about how we could never have been infiltrated because we were too disorganized the diggers were disorganized since we don't have a clear leader you could never infiltrate us because there's no leader and they kept repeating mm-hmm. meaningless it's like antifa it's like antifa like this the mm-hmm. idea of antifa which it's like we you can't be seriously criticizing antifa there's no website there's no organizational structure it's the same idea essentially it's impervious exactly. to critique which is brilliant it's an inversion it's being used by intelligence but it's v for vendetta or like guy fox day or whatever like everyone everyone's in a non right everyone's like banding together and operating under the ages of like one entity almost in a sense like they're, they're putting on in that sense like the, they're all putting that mask on so they can't be like attacked but this is like a flip on it it's kind of like we're gonna be like shit disturbing 
Bolsheviks, you know, that we're gonna go like fuck up shit, and we're gonna like make it so you can't even come for us. It's like a, it's a virus, really. It's a plague. You know, it's like when that old guy is like, the strength of a coven is in the head. Well, they have no head. Mm. Mm. Of course, they were fucking infiltrated. Come on. No, I think you're totally. I think you're <laughs> you know? totally correct. Uh, oh, it's interesting. Um... Ramparts, yeah. So I think. Uh, the 60s is like the counter narrative it's like it's, it's a sad state it's like uh like the hippies are all like basically have sold out like there's but- funeral for the movement you know the, the death of the hippie 1960 the- what year was it? seven interesting okay. that's interesting well there's a real magic rituals going on i think they were trying to create like a, a new world order basically through like through statecraft through ritual like that's the murder of jfk i think it really is like kind of a ritual like you know in a sense um but i also think there's like the, there's some kind of like conflict you know going on between like old world and new world and like old and old people and new people there's this war in vietnam i think is such bullshit i think all the things that people say about it is fake i think it was designed basically just to for a lot of reasons but none of them like about communism like, never ideal it's not it was to launder drugs and money there's a lot of other reasons for it to go on like that i think the 60s i do believe there was something like magical kind of happening there like there is some kind of change coming you know i really do believe that i think that was starting to be kind of maybe glimpsed and in order to kind of like get ahead of that it was being like kind of stage managed you know what i mean i feel like it was kind of like a manufactured version or response to something in real time almost and so that's how it goes from like monterey pop which i'm obsessed with monterey pop because it feels like this big festival in monterey uh california at the fairgrounds where i've been like many times actually i know there's like it's a really great concert you know it's just like this magical couple days may russell talks about being at my monterey pop on a broadcast and it's like really like um and you go from that in two years to like helter skelter right and it's like an ultima and all these like really like dark and chaotic things that seem to me to be like kind of done to discredit like what the diggers were already kind of doing it's like helter skelter is like an extension of the diggers in a sense it, it's they're not they weren't violent murderers i guess you know but it's still it's kind of the same thing bad movement like you know living off the land movement like all right let's like decentralize you know let's create compounds and things like that 100 percent no, but with Joni Mitchell too. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. There's um, so I forgot to send you these, but I I was on like a Digger's archive last night, and I found a couple posters, and one of them is titled "A Moving Target Is Hard to Hit," and it's like the Antifa thing we're talking about, where they're emphasizing mm. their lack of structure and order. Where I'm sorry, if you're printing flyers, you got some kind of structure. Let's be real. No, exactly. Yeah. Propaganda. You're designing propaganda. Make sure, yeah, you say it. It's like the. It's not just a flyer or a poster. It's propaganda. Someone had a, a vision for that, you know. Absolutely. There's another poster that, if I ever have like a poetry reading or some shit, I want to recreate this exact poster. It's like simple typewritten, but you know, just for the totally a, a throwback. Exactly. It. So it's called a rock dance environment happening benefit for the communication company in order in honor, if sick the icia <laughs> music steve miller blues band dino valenti and the orchestra and the diggers richard brodigan and the caped crusaders were all reading their work so richard brodigan is a really interesting guy because truly when you're reading his biographies and things like this he he sounds like a guy who you know could never get his shit together occasionally he accidentally had a lot of money and would immediately lose it and spend it um Hmm. you know he had a wife he had a daughter he kind of like fumbled that really hard so i almost feel like you know he he had this moment later in life where you know he realized his proximity to things 
but he was never quite cut out for like actually being a propaganda machine. And that was dropped very early in his career. So there's, a, okay, this is honestly schizo, but maybe you can agree with me. Richard Brodigan, in the very beginning of his career, he became famous for a couple poems that are absolutely nothing like the rest of his work he's ever created. They're long, they have repeating refrains, they use, they almost use a meter, they have their form. He, he's a free words guy. He writes short, funny, silly poems like, I took a piss today and I looked down at my dick and with such affection because it had been inside you twice. You know, he writes, <laughs> he writes, um, I'm 31 now and girls are going to look at me and say, he's cute, but he has an old nose. <laughs> he writes, yeah, you know, he, um, he doesn't write fucking machines with loving grace. I don't believe he wrote that. I think that was some kind of like shoehorned shit that they gave up on is machines of loving grace uh that's something that's published after those early, not early. it's one of those so you think that those early pieces are not his okay this is really interesting i, I think you said they're, they're different right they're not this like the shithead poetry or could it be that he was like not allowed to write that anymore he like his child who grew up in a really unstable environment his mother was fucking crazy so his mother would like so he and his mom when they lived in this one apartment, his mom had a horrible fear of the gas stove leaking and they were never allowed to both be gone at the same time. And all day, all night, she would go up to the stove and start smelling and investigating, be like, it's going to burn us down. It's going to burn us down. So he grew up with this fucking crazy paranoid single mom and he had a pretty rough, poor childhood. He accidentally shot his best friend. He had a really like emotionally on i don't know like just he had a deep well of self-hate uh-huh. throughout his life following him around i think it's most present when you read uh dreaming of babylon and abortion by richard brodigan those two works his the devil on his shoulder is speaking so loudly is writing up the book and so he he had such a rough upbringing um and i think that maybe he was given a window through his writing and i think at the very beginning he was writing towards an audience which is honestly something i okay i i did get published a couple times when i was younger for no one's ever going to see that ever (laughs) it's really bad i i do have this feeling that like when i was younger i there was a sense of idealism there was a sense of writing to an audience Mm -hmm. fucking embarrassing oh my god and i think brodigan might have had this arc where originally someone was telling him that they had a window out for him that he could be this guy he's always wanted to be and when you read brodigan biographies you realize like as soon as he got a tiny taste of being a rock star it took over him he Mm. was a gambler he was a drinker he was obsessed with SM. He would have like random, super casual encounters with girls and just be like, all right, you're getting tied up, which was a little <laughs> taboo back then. Um, there are incidents where, I mean, he he got soft me too a couple of times for that. He, I was going to say, he sounds exactly like that type. It's like the I go trans rights and all this stuff because they're like covering it for Mac a sex pest. Yeah, this, yeah, this guy. This guy really it's such a Mac DeMarco to me. I, I, okay, I have dreams. I have dreams about Richard. This is really weird, but this is like something I could only talk to you about. 
Like so everyone- fascinating. I believe you 100%, though. I believe your intuition, like 100%. It mirrors a lot of other things that other artists in the 60s, honestly. I think there's a lot of people who got got to. Do you know what I mean? Whose early idealism is channeled, either is channeled into something cynical, like you see with, like, across Crosby, Stills, Nash, like, all, Neil Young, all these assholes now that we fucking hate. My oh, cat Mitchell. Stand Neil Young. My cat will leave the fucking room. I, I, also, I, do you know his wife's autistic, Daryl Hannah? She put, shut, the front, shut the front door. But she's like Asperger's, right? She's like... Uh, no, Daryl Hannah, the nurse. Da, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. I love her. Like, love her. Like, she's like a super vocal, like, female autist. I she's like Brad from Hitler. That. Honestly, <laughs> we've never seen Brad from Hitler and Daryl Hannah in the same room. Right? <laughs> Daryl Hannah's ult. I'm going to confront you and be like, is, is it Daryl Hannah? <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay, so I think... You mentioned Jones, um, her institute that she spins up, right? Everyone gets an NGO, everyone starts a nonprofit because that's how you like manage the money that you're part of this network. I would love part- it. I don't know what it would be for, but it doesn't matter. It's like B I N G O, B I N G O. Oh my God, you can have like Bingo, what's his name? I feel like naming the NGO B I N G O would be too much. Well, no, maybe not. It doesn't matter because it's just a front, right? It's not okay, real, it's just to manage money. When I was little, um, I was like maybe like 11 or so. And Putin banned NGOs in Russia. And I was like, oh my God, like Putin suppressing civil society. And I was like, based? And it's funny, (laughs) as an adult, I'm just like, wow, that was honestly incredible of Putin. (laughs) Like, (laughs) to ban NGOs. Because NGOs are fucking like, they're false hope and they're money, money funneling. A hundred percent. It's everything's fake. Everything's so fake about it. The whole thing about it is crazy. Putin's banning not like domestic like groups like that. He's banning things from the fucking state department. UNICEF. They're all like UNICEF, all the USAID money, which the Quakers, they are they are people who do these missions. There's these things that we think they are one thing and they're kind of like they kind of are that thing, but they're yeah. also kind of not that thing. They have a whole it's other exactly instrument. Like a pension novel, like uh, apply the pension filter to your life and and notice how many dots start to connect oh, the also, conspiracy comes for you you know the conspiracy comes for you it really does do you want to take a 10 minute yeah let's take a 10 minute break and then that, that sounds perfect
they never tell you that like when you're living in the moment you're gonna be like late all the time like all I the time <laughs> and get and get a nice course light so perfect perfect i used to be such a punctual person and truly i embraced like the the perpetual now and i was like i'm here man so today we had cpt running up against rpt and 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 like it was it it came okay like rpt is like plus 45 minutes um i don't know what cpt is it varies it can be it it varies from culture to culture actually so i worked events like at one point me too we should talk about that. I worked at the, like the front of house operations, let's say, and it was like uh, different co- different people would like run out the venues, right? And so it's like every single one, whether it was like Filipino or Persian or African American, even or uh, not the Jewish ones, but there was uh, was there was like yeah, Persian, definitely, definitely Filipino, definitely all the Asian ones, definitely there was like a Russian one. Every single one, Shen Yun, Shen Yun did not start on time either. None of the shit started on time. It was like super late, and they'd always be like, "Oh, it's a cultural thing," and it's started to become like really clear that only like america and like england i feel like start germans. things on time <laughs> apparently germans are punctual no but germans you're totally that. right and israelis i feel like israelis are probably punctual because they're like proximity to like weights and measures and and saturn and like time i don't know <laughs> i like to like prioritize punctuality and then i always end up being late anyways same same you know our, our time is valuable and like we have to just like own it and we're ceos of our of our own time and you know sometimes that uh, doesn't line up with other people's but ours gratefully has a line we're back for part two of our like i guess like our conversation uh it will probably be like two or three weeks before it even gets published because of like just my pipeline but it's going like i think they age well honestly i don't i used to think i need to rush and put them out but that's part of like the learning no like think of rush we need to talk about it wait rush you're obsessed with rush what do you know the song Limelight by Rush? Where it's mm. like living in. No, definitely the, the, uh, the Troy Sivan album that just came out. I don't know any. Oh, wait, the, what about the, the Troy Sivan? Wait, what about that? I don't, I have not heard it. I'm familiar yeah, with the music. That was like the single that came out before the whole album came out. Never mind. Wait. Troy Sivan's album was fucking incredible. Oh, I thought you said Rush for some reason. I did. He has a song called okay. Rush. Oh, I thought you were talking about the band Rush. No, I don't LOL, know. LOL, LOL, like old guy moment. That's so funny. Yeah, a brush no. by Troy Savon. Of course I know that. Yes, of course I'm familiar with this song. Like, uh, I think it's it's fine. I think Troy Savon's music in general is very overrated. I think he's like over he's an overrated twin. I never heard his music ever in my life. And this new album, I've been listening what? to it on fucking repeat. Yeah. yeah rush, well, rush is like one of those bands that like wait. Is Gavin Rossdale Bush or Rush? Oh, that's Bush. Bush is good. T- I love Bush too, but Gavin Rossdale. Uh, Bush. Did you see W throwing the ball? No, no way. What was he doing? What's he up to? That old retard. I don't know. He's so hot. He's my favorite person. W Bush is your with any heart, with any riz, with any sauce. I don't even know how to explain it, really. I I, I don't like any of the other presidents. It's just because he said something nice about Putin. That's why you think that. No. <laughs> I never heard that before. No, okay, so he is, yeah, he is, he has heart because he is literally a retard. Like, he's a sweet angel. Like, he he's goes, a Of course he's a retard. He goes right into my angel retard baby boy theory of Bill Gates, Elon Musk, George W. Bush. Like, don't get it. They don't get why they're so hated. See, Lots I feel kindred with really... George Bush. I went to the same endocrinologist as him when I was a kid. 
excuse me well excuse me that sounds important and kind of scary i guess a little bit um, <laughs> but i feel like that does so- no it's 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 uh the the dc lead making us all have hypothyroids even the bushes aren't exempt from it well he of course bro, he their dog, be. bro their dog got fat as fuck as soon as they moved to dc their dog had a hypothyroid I'm dc is a weird place there's it's- a memo about this Wait, because this happened to the Bidens. Like his dogs, like went feral when they got to the White House, and they had to put one down. I'm pretty sure. I, I, what happened to W's? What happened to W's dog? He's fat as fuck, and he has sent out a memo saying people stop feeding him. And then they found out he was hypothyroid. But no dogs. Okay, the White House number one cursed fucking property. Mm-hmm. If okay, so mm-hmm. when you grow up in the DMV okay. and you're foreign, uh, this is what happens every fucking year or so. Your fucking auntie or your childhood friend or your godmother or your grandmother or your grandpa or your uncle or some guy that your mom's grandpa sat in prison with comes to america and who's gonna be the tour guide oh oh okay my daughter can show you around (laughs) anyways i end up going to the love it and taking a billion pictures of like my russian fucking families and shit i love that i love it it's funny because like that's you know when you live there you don't go there like that no i for real i've never been to alcatraz i live in san francisco for like 10 years i'm from the bay area episode essay on alcatraz i've never i've seen it so it's out there like i thought about swimming to it once i was like it doesn't seem that far favorite thing um jones ever written is her oh wait oh i know what you're talking about yes 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 he's slouching and it's because what my favorite thing about it is because um at the very end sorry i'm trying to flip no, through it's okay you're good you're good but the very end of it she says you know i wish she said i wish i could stay there but nobody asked me nobody invited me and that was so hmm. i know exactly what she means like hmm. so basically as right now is occupied by a man and his wife who lead tours and things like that and she was talking about like the barrenness of it and everything and Hannah and how much she wanted to move there and and speaking of autism Joan Didion was classic female autist oh she yes was, oh yes go everywhere she talks about being overstimulated and I love I love um reading literature written by overstimulated people because mm-hmm. they tend to get really granular but then they have the most delicious blind spots which is <laughs> hate writers who hit every single mark i i want to see yeah. when i read a writer i want them i want there to be sonar like i want to figure out hmm. where the submarine is the clicks and whistles and all the stuff that you're writing to distract me from the hunk of metal in the ocean that's about the mm-hmm. ship like i love the unreliable narrator and Joan mm-hmm. is very like disciplined wonderful intelligent woman but she definitely had these absences in her writing like that the iceberg theory i mean that was her whole thing oh my god you're brilliant i love that that was incredible um okay i have to drill in on one i don't i like, have so much trouble because i'm i am overstimulated as well and i'm an unreliable narrator for sure sometimes it's a little meandering sometimes it's a little bit untrue you know i feel like the best i'm so like, good at reading between the lines and figuring out what people's lives are actually like that's so interesting I, we already figured out daryl hannah is actually refh so like there's like one you figured that piece out really quickly that was very 
<laughs> I don't know. There's so many people who, um, okay, like this is something everyone knows. So I'll use this example. But you know, we all we all know when a woman online is emphasizing her her faith and her love of men. And she's being a trad cast. She's being a pick me. Okay, we'll use, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll call a spade a spade. But it's so easy to fill in the blanks. Like, okay, you are a girl who grew up in a coastal city. Your parents are pretty liberal. They listen to NPR. Um, you grew up with liberal friends. In high school, you probably did a lot of drugs. You maybe had an abortion. Uh, you maybe had a lot more sex than you're proud of. And then you went through college all of that was celebrated oh yeah 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 and then afterwards you know you started voting democrat you started going to protests maybe you went vegan maybe you like were poly for a little bit and then all of a sudden summer of george etc all this wokeness all of your friends are cutting their tits off um getting breast reductions this was something i experienced for sure um in 2016 all of a sudden Without exaggeration, five women in my like inner circles suddenly became like non-binary, did surgery and everything. And the only way, the only way they were able to speed run this transition so much was a lot of them tended to be like, you know, girls I grew up with or like girls who grew up with like rich parents who were paying for this. And um, so a lot of these women like grew up in this kind of environment. And then all of a sudden they realize, all right, this isn't working for me. I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be liberal enough. I'm never going to be gender um, radical. Uh, no, no, no. Not gender critical. Gender critical is the opposite. But gender is like embrace this ideology. It's like a religion. I, I can't take it. I can't swallow the pill. They're, they're never going to dig that hole in the sand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and reach that nirvana where they are completely impervious to criticism it's and, not and real they've never done anything that an infographic wouldn't tell them to do and then they freak the fuck out and they go the opposite direction and they start condemning girls and they start larping as like catholic or some shit online <laughs> i've seen so many d- girls doing this and it's like like dog we like anyone born in the 90s late 80s like we've had a rough go we've had a lot of hot cold water thrown on us but Mm. i think the people who kind of went through it the smoothest were like the mutts (laughs) yes it's true yeah elaborate elaborate like you're a mutt right i'm a mystery meat american yes 100 percent. like i'm so much i'm I'm on anything i'm beyond racial i'm just whatever anybody wants me to be you know the mutts I don't know. I'm a mutt. I grew up with, I grew up in environments where I was constantly hearing polar opposite ideologies mm-hmm. presented mm-hmm. as the end all be all. So that was a recipe for a rejection of everything. That was a recipe for ennui. That was a recipe for me being a fucking middle schooler be- reading Sartre. Um, <laughs> everything he ever wrote. I, I, I absorbed it so I don't even know how, why, but I. It's I so was, intense. It's so intense for a young. I was reading Stephen King as I bragged about earlier. That's like pretty intense, also. But this is Sartre. Sartre is a person. 
that, that guy who said Stephen King kills John Lennon is right because it's not the yeah, real yeah. person. It's like the it's a composite. It's a composite. You know, the, the problem with the culture is that we can't like call a spade a spade. We can't like lampoon. You can't talk bad about women or even say anything bad about even liberal or like criticize anything except for these like very few uh, prescriptive things and so you like it everyone's dying for it and i feel like what you just delivered it was like fucking off the cuff it was theater in the sense of like it was real because you were just like in the moment and you were telling me about this just like ah, you nailed it i loved it i mean okay you gotta read jersey devil's breath have you read that one no i have not i'm very uh behind my, to my studies Shout out to Hobart. For love Jersey. Years. I love Jersey, though. I've never been there, actually. Really, but I have, like, have, like uh, a really good friend who got me Jersey pilled, who's from Jersey. Um, so I'm like, I, I get it. I get Jersey. And I'm a big fan of Real Housewives of New Jersey. Wait, who Jersey pilled you? Um, I shouldn't say her name, but a coworker who, like, actually lives in, like, Franklin Lakes now. She could be, like, a housewife. I, I feel like she could. She should I, be fine. Okay, number one, uh, being a housewife would be... It sounds kind of funny. You know, you, you know sometimes I have this, like stupid tweet that i bring back it's a bpdgf ctebf <laughs> wait but, wait cte like chronic traumatic uh, oh i like oh okay like, uh, yeah, like i know what you mean i know what you mean yes like the like the football players like that yeah, exactly. got you got you so like you know every bpd woman needs to find her <laughs> bf like kim zolziak found <laughs> a little bit and is I I would love to be a housewife. Oh my god! What would your I, housewives tagline be? Wait, they have tagline. Do you like? Do you not watch the program? Okay, it's I've never best. seen it. Uh, I think you. I think you. There's a lot. It's literature. Honestly, it's visual literature because it's like. Um, it's archetypal there's like it's a lot of women women of a certain age and like they're older and you're like seeing their lives of course it's a reality show so it's not entirely real right but it's, it's mediated and it's like so you know there's like a real housewife potomac of course of course of course i know one of the ladies children but oh my gosh that's so exciting you don't have to go into that i'm very curious potomac although kind of i haven't watched a lot of these in a while but it's kind of like a, the, one of the boring or ones. Maryland is boring by design because we have so much like old spooked up shit that they're like, all right, Delaware, Maryland, we're going to make you as boring as fucking possible. So nobody asks any questions. Nobody digs. Del Marva would be such a good show. They need more like they always want to do these aspirational rich people shows. And I think the real grit, the real shows are like with like the honey boo boos of the world. You know, it's like go out and find like the. They got to do real housewives PG County. I don't know what that is, but exactly. (laughs) It's called Pretty Girl County. Okay. Where all is, the, is all the where the black girls with bbls and fake lashes live it was like a black oc <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. exactly it's the blow c <laughs> like my best friend lives there um when i was little i would go to oh my gosh when i was little i would like you know ask my parents like drive me to some birthday party and they're like okay you know you know this address leads them to some house in the middle of Bowie, maryland where like 40 people live and there's like a moon bounce and this like insane like there's like fuck what's that song there's fat pat playing like there's like a cookout like giant lines for like corn and shit and my parents are like oh my god i like okay see you in five hours <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing and it's like what time does it start and you're like they're like we don't know like it's oh, like no, you, you... <laughs> like three everybody shows up at like 5 30. i was 100 100 percent
I want to go back to the diggers a little bit. And this, wait, what was the name of the guy? I already forgot his name, but the, the poet and the writer and digger. Okay, so I can't say that, but okay, you can just say it for us. Like his like arc, what you were touching on was really poignant. It was there is this like there's an archetype in the '60s especially, but even today, like a visionary, like an artist, someone who like I said earlier before that you I feel like have a ability to channel another world through a, a specific lens. It's like a spiritual gift in a sense to create. Uh, and I think there was a lot of artists, a musical writer, a filmmaking in the '60s, and they showed that kind of ability. But then we're either uh, <laughs> reined in line by their spook parents in many cases um, became like bloated rock stars and became completely like fucked up and like drunk and like uh, or whatever womanizing like their vices kind of got the best of them that sounds like the case kind of to a degree with um, with this writer or they died under strange circumstances so many 60s artists uh, especially musicians like died like so many it's very young you know it's like the 27 okay, club you know well, okay 27 club is easily explained um Okay, let's think about the giant production companies right now. IP. IP is very expensive. It's much cheaper to buy out a company and get a package deal with all these like Grimm's fairy tales, etc. Like Jillian Flynn books, whatever. Okay, old TV shows. Shout out Jillian Flynn. I fucking love her. But she's like Gone Girl. Wait, is that Gone Girl? Gone Girl, Sharp Objects. Okay, okay. Oh my god, career goals. Fucking every single thing she's ever written, except for that one short story called The Grown Ups, has been made into a major motion picture. Okay, get your bag. Kerching, kerching. Exactly. Go, go, go. If but, she's not um, already like a plant, if she's not a plant, you know, like sometimes no, people wonder. And, and like, she's <laughs> so cool. Like she's a hot little ginger. Like good for her. With a lawyer husband and two kids living in Illinois, minding her fucking business. I she's, love those kind of people. I love those kind of people. Twitter, but she doesn't say bullshit. She doesn't say shit. I love that. I love people who don't she eat it. Jack shit about Palestine. Mm-hmm. You know? Thank you. Shout out Jillian Lynch. A fan of the pod, I think, actually. She's probably listening. So hopefully, like oh, <laughs> better be. <laughs> But basically, I think, um, so with Brodigan, uh, I think I think he was a very special person. And I think, okay, so like I was saying earlier, you know, about, you know, this like very skeptical attitude towards writers that Russianists have, like, there's a lot of, um, <laughs> like, writers tend to be like, overly sensitive a little bit solipsistic a little bit not idealistic but a little bit like repetitive people um okay there, there are certain categories okay there's Bukowski writers like Welbeck who are fucking repetitive all they can fucking write about is oh I went to this party got my dick sucked mm-hmm. by this fat girl like whatever okay because they're in a stage of arrested development whether they know it or not they're in that stage like both of those men are caught in like a, a cycle a trap of like addiction or womanizing whatever it is they can't progress uninteresting their lives are and and a lot of writers <laughs> who write autofiction fall into this thing where like i'm sorry but you're fucking deluded about how unique and interesting your life is okay like please like come up with a story yeah this diary entry isn't gonna do it for me give us a shot not a pint yukowski exactly, <laughs> exactly. and there are other writers who are like kafka's and um Kafka and Susanna Kaysen, who are those highly sensitive people who are like, shake, you know, Emily Wolf, you know, 
all those people who are super sensitive people and, and like write every they're those are the true graphomans they're so lonely because they don't get along with human beings so that they like get into their diary and they're scribes just, oh, they just drown in there they're like literal to- scribes like literally like they're like they're connected to something else they're not human they're like something else like uh, oracles it's like they have those like, class of oracles or like okay, whatever dick. so philip k dick admits that when he wrote a skinner darkly it was the it was a very different experience for him because this was after he was in recovery um so he was at excalade in rehab mm-hmm. and he also spent time at the uh lexington kentucky uh drug farm and so when he wrote a skinner darkly it was extremely autobiographical it was about the divorce with his wife his wife helped him wrote it she was a co-writer of this novel and in addition uh he had a female editor who i i really need to remember her name but she tore like she cut the book apart scissors and all and created a cohesive novel and he said without her this would have been like Almost like the exegesis or the exegesis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His exegesis, yeah, his kind of unfinished yeah. ravings. So there is a type of writer that are very prolific, but they need a fucking good writer to cut them down when need be. Mm-hmm. And there's so many types of bad writers. <laughs> that type that you're describing is literally me. And I've been thinking about how uh, my ideal situation, I, I, I do write a lot. I don't publish much of what I write for a variety of reasons. The idea of like a, a writer that's like the writer plus the editor together forming like the writer is such a fascinating idea to me where it's almost like a band, like almost, you know, how like there's people come together or a, a pop singer, right? Someone's writing the songs and they're singing them, but it's all under, it's Britney Spears, right? There's all these people under the hood kind of making it happen. Like, I want to like, shout out people under my hood. Um, please please okay so number one two two people who like made publishing with apcon just like i'm so i am so so lucky most people don't have this experience for the first book they ever publish is with people that they trust and people that will not censor even a hint of a word people who Mm whipped me into shape without ever making me feel like I needed to curve to an audience or add something that wasn't me or subtract something that was maybe a little bit superfluous to the plot, but not superfluous whatsoever to the book as a whole and, and sort of like getting known to meet me as a writer. So, you know, um, Will Waltz and Tom Will, the uh, editor book editor and the poetry editor of TopCon, like psh, without them this shit would have been like a little folder in my computer that i wistfully looked at as i scrolled past work god <laughs> bless them then because it's that would have been a horrible fate for these your collection of stories and uh th- and thank you for shouting them out collaboration is key right like you're you're uh, you're gifted right you have a gift but like there's instruments in the toolkit right there's other people part of, who are part of the process to bring it from like creation from like your mind to like a product right because at the end of the day it's like a product and it becomes something else and uh and it started but it's like that's good and if you have people you can trust it's very like beautiful i, I just want to say that um publishing them was an incredible experience because i had this perfect confluence of creative freedom uh you know other publishers would censor me um 
I'm not sure if that will. <laughs> Can I say, wait, yeah, there's a story I haven't read it yet, but there's a story that had like extensive footnotes. And I was just like, my heart started like fluttering. I was like, oh my God. Uh, because like, I, I thrive on like insane footnotes. Like I love a complicated, insane footnote. Do you like The Brief Wondrous Life of Oscar Wilde by Juno Diaz? I don't know. I've never, I'm really like uncultured. So yeah, no, I don't that know it. <laughs> the footnotes novel. And I think it's great. So Juno Diaz got this really interesting career arc where everybody loved him. He was like an America's sweetheart. And then everybody hated him. And then he got me too'd. And now people don't really talk about him, but I think he's great. Um, I always recommend his work to people who aren't huge readers, because I think that like he has a great cadence he's never boring his characters are really like they're people you know i I mean at least me because i grew up on the east coast and i'm familiar Mm -hmm. with things like that but you know all of his characters are like dominicans who immigrated to jersey i i love it i met a lot of those yeah but um i the footnotes um to me was that story you're talking about is called Yvonne's nightmare and mm. I so maybe like a year and a half ago or something or maybe a year ago but um my my boyfriend at the time and I like we we're like kind of just like having like a tipsy fun little night and we pulled out Brothers Karamazov and I opened it up to chapter three the sensualists and I said, you know, if you haven't read this book in a while, you, I, I know it sounds crazy, but if you have never read Brothers Karamazov or you haven't read in a while and you're having a trouble getting momentum, go to chapter three and start reading because it is incredible. It's called The Sensualist. And it's all these dialogues between the brothers and Father Zoisima. And it's all these like drunk heart to hearts that really get into it. And they're so like, I love the idea of a sensualist. Um, and it's it's basically a person who is like sentimental to the point of being wicked. Like mm-hmm. someone who is very into, like someone very Dionysian. Dionysian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were that, like uh, ultra, like their passions consume them sort of in a way. Yes. And so I wrote this story about like, I'm okay, I'm really fascinated by how banal little everyday things affect people's mental state and creative Mm -hmm. output like okay in this example it was mold the protagonist the speaker is a grad student who's teaching a class in a basement where it's moldy and and this is shout out to my alma mater i will not name it but i took a couple of film classes in the moldiest basement of all time remember like I've been around moldy people. I've been around a moldy cohort. It's it, that's it's a whole thing. Like people who are so moldy that like their lives were so moldy that they were moldy. You know what I mean? Like mold is such yeah. a moldy. moldy people. Did you see that? I think I posted this retweet about EMF and like mold. Like houses that like have high um, mold have high activity of just like electromagnetic like frequency. Like it's it's like mushrooms telling mushrooms kind of talk to each other. Mold has like a communication. It has a radiance. It has a, a emission. It's fascinating. Uh, so, I yeah. believe in microtoxins. I believe I believe that during certain periods of my life, I was being sabotaged by uh-huh. microtoxic 
pathogen. 100%, 100%. Like we would die if we went to like, I, I swear, if we went to 1850 and like went to nature, we would die. It would kill us. The air would kill us. The water would kill us because our bodies would reject it because we are so far down the river. So I think we need a little bit of like microplastics to maintain the homeostasis with like, with nature. And also, again, it's all mental. So it's like, yeah, awareness of it is com- combative of it in its own way. Just the knowledge that these things can hurt you, you can actually fight back by uh, by knowing that. I, um, I, I definitely agree with that. I think that there have been times in my life where I've been kind of sickly. And we're, earlier we were talking about working events. Um, I got a stipend. You know, campus living was kind of nice. It was kind of easy. I, it was really nice. Um, I, I did have an additional job. You know, I, I'm, I've always been a little bit like, I don't relax. Like I need an income. Mm-hmm. I'm not same, the kind yeah, of same, like, yeah. unemployed person. Like I mm-hmm. always need to have a side hustle yeah. at least. But I do remember like, like feeling sick, like physically and mentally and wondering like, you know, people kill themselves on campus all the time. It's really common to kill yourself in your dorm. Mm-hmm. It happened in my uh, freshman year. A guy wrapped, when he wrapped himself in an American flag and shot himself off the balcony with a rifle. And it was so you know crazy. It's beautiful. It, it was kind of beautiful. He was in a student film and we all went to the student film showcase like a month later because we heard oh. we heard he was in it. Because like I, no one could really, it was really hard. There's no, this is like so old. There was no social media really. So like we didn't really know exactly who it was. But we thought we kind of knew from seeing him around as so we went to this film to see if we could like identify him. And there was like this skull fucking scene. It was so weird. It was like incorporated this weird down footage. And there was like a scene where like this guy like fucked a cow skull. It was so demonic. And I was like, what the fuck? And we never really did identify him. So then like, I remember I went to like the memorial to see a picture. It was like, a, like on campus, like a function. Uh, anyway, yeah, there was free, there was free okay, habitat. Okay. So, so I went. <laughs> this is making me think. Like, we, we have so much more to talk about. What's well, interesting that you said you worked at fantasy college? I did as well. Uh, I worked events like in in college. That's where I started my my event career. I guess it's because you you're know? it's because you're cute. It's because you're cute <laughs> and you're bilingual, right? No, I actually not. But what's what's more important than that? Is- what's more important is I look bilingual. That's all that matters, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what language you think I speak. I'm oh Spanish, God, right? Spanish. Of course, of course, of course. I have a, a healthy dosing of Iberian, but it's actually like on my white side. <laughs> you understand Spanish? Of course. You know, I took Spanish. And then people think I'm a race trader. They think I'm like a race trader. And I'm like, I'm not actually like, I'm not actually one of you. Like, I'm sorry. Like, because they're like, you're one of those, those that don't speak Spanish. You're one of those, you know? Okay. I'm not. I, I think that white Latinos <laughs> are like a mystical people. They absolutely are. Well, they're Iber- Iberians are. Well, all the all peoples are mystical, technically, I think, at the end of the day. But no, you're right. You're right. Well, you guys have something special. I um like if you meet like a blonde dude named Carlos, like listen up. Listen up to what he has to say. Okay. He's some kind of prophet starseed shit. I can't explain it. Okay. I can't explain. It. I I'll think keep so. An is a supercharged area like I'm, I'm a knitter and i only buy yarn from south america i don't fuck with any other region oh. in the world. i don't care where yarn comes from it needs to come from south america anything else i wear it i don't feel good 
bad vibes, headaches, itches. Fascinating. Look at that. Hmm? There is a new age theory that like the planetary center of like uh, like spiritual magnetic energy used to be in like Central Asia, like near Tibet or whatever, like in the no. Himalayas, and now it's moved to the Andes. Exactly. It's Peru. That's part of the orange vibe shift, I think. It's the orange everybody vibe. spent all their investment in going to after all those secrets of the East. After they got misdirected about the whole Egyptian thing, that's a whole other conversation. But like, there's this whole like, you know, obsession with like- Russia is the third Rome. Russia. And I think, okay, so I have, I, I won't maybe even publish this because these are personal cosmology theories that I don't talk about often, but I think that there is something to Siberia. I think beyond the North is like, there's like a gateway and there's like a whole thing going on up there. I have deep connections to Siberia. Okay, okay. The Ural Mountains. I love the Ural Mountains. I'm obsessed are you kidding with them. Me? Are you fucking kidding me? Do no. you know, sorry, do you know this prophecy? No, this no. Entire... Okay. My second, my, okay. My novel that's broken into two parts, the entire second half basically rests on the prophecy that was drilled into my head as a child so when i was a child all right this is like pretty personal but i guess okay. I, I, we, we don't have to but we can cut anything you know we can leave this i i moved to the u.s um you know at a young age but always with this thing hovering over my head like okay like i went to, back to russia all the time we were always told that we we're going to go back there like that was our home this was mm-hmm. etc that kind of like you know settled in but my mom would um we would all get into her bed and she would read us these prophecies and one of the prophecies was that at the end of the world nothing nothing will be left except for a certain area uh, including the Ural Mountains and right behind the Ural Mountains that's going to be the only area untouched by destruction okay which is like Edward Casey. Um, is it Case or Casey? I, I think I've heard both, honestly. I've I, I, I written an entire novel about this. I wrote two different novels and yeah. I decided to merge them. I can't. I'm so fascinated. I think that the nights come, like, you know, like there's nights, you know, sometimes like intergalactic nights, but like planetary nights, and they like, they come from beyond Siberia. They like, actually, it's like literally, it's my job is to go and find these people to like cast as the nights. Like, I'm, I'm casting. A, a real life novel kind of do you know what i mean and so it's like they come from the siberia they're, they're siberian knights like they're coming so oh it's so God. interesting we i can't to, wait like, I we to, i'm fascinated no, you're right about the andes you're totally right about like just i think that uh which is like a i don't think south america existed until like 500 years ago like i don't think it was like even a place i i don't know i'm, I'm questioning a lot of things about the timelines i, I feel like it's new a sense of placidity and purity that permeate south america in certain valleys and areas hmm. there's this incredible film called monos hmm. again i'm uncultured but please I, I i can learn a lot from making a description of a film because i'm that good of a film student it's like a 2018 film and it's incredible it's about um a bunch of these teenage gorillas like g-u-e sure gorillas. sure 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 and it's a post-apocalyptic environment and they're all tasked to protect the last one of the last cows and their kids are teenagers right so mm-hmm. chaos ensues and it's i don't want to give anything away but it is such a simple incredible film it's so enjoyable and it's so like it just it really makes you think about um okay what is the world going to be like in 50 mm-hmm. 70 years Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. skin in the game was partially 
inspired by that skin in the game is one of my dystopian short stories that everyone's in this world this competitive cutthroat world where they're trading in skin and body parts it's really disturbing that's what we're going towards because everything is kind of like human beings are becoming like products and like um that's what pharma and medicine have become is just ways of everything is a pound of flesh you know it's all pounds and pounds of flesh and blood they love blood everything is what wait what'd you say it's worthless but it's not there's nothing left that has value is human life this is true. It's perspective. You can extract you can extract meaning and value from any place. Even if you were put into like a prison and made, forced to stare at a wall all day, you can find beauty in it. I believe I have a you short have story to. <laughs> you, you, of course, you do. Of course, of I course. Can't, I can't wait for you to. Um, I'm excited to read these. Yeah, no. you're just so gang stopped. God damn it again! This keeps happening. It's pension part two all over again. I'm just like, God damn it. It's called Season of the Witch. It's by David mm-hmm. Talbot. It's pretty normy. It's not like an alternate or parapolitical history, but it's a history of San Francisco from 67 to 82. So it's like Summer of Love. you got your Hate Ashbury, which um, we talked about a few different clinics, I think, so like Echelon and like these different places. Like Hate Ashbury had that clinic, right? Where it was like a free clinic for like hippies and, and drugs. <laughs> It's the model for like what we have now with kind of a lot of the interventions that like governments are doing. Um, But it's also, it's an exacerbation of the problem, right? And it's a recruitment ground for intelligence. Um, Charles Manson went through the hate ass free clinic, you know? Exactly. Um, Um, uh, I forget who it was. In Program to Kill, they, which everyone needs to read, they describe one spook who would always, he claimed to have cancer, but people who saw him in the clinic said he would just sit in the waiting room for a couple hours while his girlfriend waited outside and then come back out. Mm -hmm. Go fake shit. The whole thing. Operation Midnight Climax. He doesn't talk about it here, but yeah. that's that famous thing. There's a house in San Francisco. I've been over by it. And I think this operation is where they would do these parties where there's like a, a mirror, right? So the intelligence officers are drugging people surreptitiously. They don't even know what's going on. And they're being observed behind like a hidden mirror as this like these parties would go on for uh for you know ops for research. That house is like I think the house is near a cave. I think there's a tunnel from the house. I think there's this canyon near that area of the city. And it's a really random spot where there's just like trees where it's like allowed to, very few spots in the area are still like nature, right? You know, it's like very densely urban uh, near like near North Beach and such. And, and it was like, there's a canyon. And I think, I don't know, I have a theory because I already, I already was like, there's tunnels in Knob Hill. I like had this whole theory and then there are tunnels in Knob Hill. I discovered that they've been found. So I think- Wait, like, Lana, Lana's chemtrails and tunnels shit. She's so fucking based. Let her speak on it. Let her speak on it. Speak on it. And what a brilliant, like, I just love Lana as an example. It's like, you can get better as you get older, that you can get, like, you can actually, like, age into something quite beautiful. I'm obsessed with her poetry book. She needs to write a novel and she needs to make a film. I anything mm-hmm. she puts out, I will eat up with a fucking spoon. You know? Yeah, I do. I get it. Yeah, I was gonna say like a podcast, but it'd be so silly. And no, we don't need that much of her because I think when she tries to express herself as like in real terms is when she gets in trouble. Like her less her um 
Her question, question, for the, the question for the culture is like so she did funny. nothing wrong. She did, she nothing, did nothing wrong. wrong. No, I totally stand by her okay. as always, as always. But she did kind of. Um, she does get into some clunky mistakes. Like I get what I get what uh, kind of trips her up sometimes because she, gets, she grew up rural and she doesn't understand. If I, she grew wait. Up in like city, she would be born with all the right ways to phrase X Y Z. But she grew up in Lake Placid. Do you buy her story of being born? Like she's really is truly a salt of the earth. She's not a rich girl. No, as me neither. And I, I wish she didn't even weigh abuser. in. I think her father was a financial abuser, and she did have very limited resources growing up. But I don't think she was poor, poor. I don't think like yeah, and that stuff is like the only reason I think it only really ever matters because uh, she truly has talent, right? Like she clearly has a gift, and she's really spiritually endowed as well. Whereas like someone like Lady Gaga has like sold her gift. I feel like she had like a really good gift, and she did come from a means, you know, a good background too. But kind of just became this like like it's trash. Total trash to sell out, right? Lana's aged into like something like she's like gotten better with time. I think all of her music gets Lana's better. like a bass pro bitch. Like I love her. You know? She's both, like, right? She's both. Like she's bass pro and she's like she's BLM. You know, she's like both, she's all of America. Like she embodies like her body is a map of LA, dude. Like she is like all of like the world. And that's everybody in it, you know, East it's Side, West Street, Side. Like an angel. <laughs> you know <laughs> i love her i just i love you know, her lyrics are so deep i i don't know i want i don't know i want to do a deep dive into that Maybe oh my god right now i all i want to do is like go and like watch um oh my gosh what's that short film she did the beautiful one bel-air no oh yeah i yeah she did something she was, okay Topical, sorry. i like liked that Lana Del Rey a little bit but I didn't thought she was kind of overrated it was not a huge fan of hers until like I liked a couple of songs until mm-hmm. the and, and Norman fucking Rockwell era and then I completely yeah. flipped and was like oh my god I love her and I still like some of her older stuff I go back I actually knew what I when I really liked was that one before lust is it lust for life that, like people didn't like that much because that's kind of like proto ultra violence I had this job I absolutely hated um I won't, again, I won't dox, but it was right downtown DC and I would sit on the mall and at like six in the morning and cry and listen to ultraviolence, like mentally prepare to go into this job where I was so like, I was so useless. I was so much younger than everybody there. And Mm. um, there are a bunch of Czech people working there who... (laughs) bad russian and i i was hired as a translator and they would always like doubt me and i'm and i'm like i'm sorry you're fucking czech why are you the authority on like russian grammar right now fuck off <laughs> and and every single day there would be this process of like them nitpicking me and then my main boss saying yeah everything she wrote was right everything she did is right whatever and, and i would just like sit there and listen to lana and like cry and like be like fuck <laughs> she, she was so real she's the like mother spirit of the world you know she was there for you when oh, you yeah. needed her and, and she, like, chemtrails, she chemtrails hit like during the pandemic and i remember like uh-huh. one of the best days of my entire life was the first time i ever heard chemtrails like white dress white was, dress oh my god damn i was sitting alone like at a bar and i was working on my novel and i just felt so nice i felt so peaceful i had just like hung out with my friend all day we were doing really hard work you know we were like tending to the beehives he's a beekeeper uh, that's so cool tending to the chickens you know tending to all the animals we went on a hike and we had just like really nice pure day like mm-hmm. this friend i've been close with for a decade over actually no we've known each other for like 12 years um and i just 
it was beautiful. Like Lana, Lana, she just evokes so many beautiful channels. It's you know? true. She was you, you mentioned her from being from Lake Placid and she it was connected to nature. You can tell she's very connected to nature. And I think that was some of like it was part of her gift, I think, yeah. is that she was like uh, not a city girl. You're you're totally right. And I think we need to protect Lana at all costs. Like she should not be hanging out with Joan Baez or Joan Baez's granddaughter. Like, but she's not a Joan Baez. Lana does Lana's a successful against the odds. They want to keep Lana down. They've tried to keep Lana down since the beginning. They continually try to like but she has an empire. She has her own lane. She doesn't need radio hits. She doesn't need to be fucking anything. Everyone loves her. her. You know, and she has, she's, she's tapped into that zeitgeist too, that kind of underground, that, that feeling of like, uh, beneath the veneer, you know, I feel like she's like, I think Lana that. has this, has this power, you know, <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's like, well, like Bob Dylan, you know, I, I, I said Kabbalistic earlier too. It's Bob like that ability, the, rev, the references, like she's like, she's using the language of America and of, of music and of like lots of like references to kind of blend them together in her own kind of expression, you know? We what? Whitman Nabokov. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, okay. I'm familiar with this. That's, oh my God, Russian-American prophecy tattoo. She's, she's tapped into, well, well I guess we'll see Lana at the, uh, at the camps or whatever we build over inside. Okay, I, I love camps, not camps. I love repos. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Also, see you at the camp. Me and No, but you- it's going to be a beautiful <laughs> crystal cathedral palace. It's going to be like these amazing, like, it'll be so beautiful. We're going to have these, they'll be like Russian kind of the, the domes. What I love about our Russian architecture is it's weird. It's like so different from the West. So it's got like the, like, I don't know, like those like kind of weird dome type things. I think they'll be like crystal domes. And no sitting, no pews. No, 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 no. We'll live in them too. It's like they'll be like where you probably have to stay. They'll be like chalets because it's probably be like a lot of. I don't ski, but it'll probably be like ski vibes. Okay. I'm inspired to send you the second half of my novel about all these prophecies because I feel like you're tapped in. I will read anything you share uh, with me, Anna. Krivapala, Krivapala, Krivapala. Oh my god! I said that's I, a horrific. I just oh, have to make you say it. Okay, so that's a problem I have. I infect people with like my patterns yes. of speech. And so you may never be able to say your last name correctly again. And now it's like, now it's my bit, at least. I feel like I'm just going to just have to uh, be screwing up your name. Um, okay. Oh, I did bring up this book, Season of the Witch. I, I'll just tie it this, uh, that read that we started 500 years ago saying it's a history of San Francisco, 67 to 82. It, it's really interesting. Uh, if you if you think like me and Anna, if you heard us talking and you kind of have like these same thoughts, you'll enjoy this book because it's like you can read between the lines, right? It's like mm-hmm. Joe Didion in a sense, where you're reading Joe Didion. She's never saying all these people are ops, but she's also oh, kind of okay. saying these people are all ops, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you would enjoy this book, I think, because it has a lot of detail. Uh, people forget about the things that happened here beyond just the hippie stuff and the, the 70s stuff. There's like AIDS and... Diane Feinstein becomes mayor after like a bunch of people get assassinated at City Hall, right? After a bunch of people from San Francisco go and committed um, mass suicide in a jungle. It's a, it's a crazy decade. I don't know. So I think back to you. Oh, Jonestown. And so the, and it, the right, book yeah, starts yeah. with the diggers. Like it starts really with the diggers. So when you mentioned no, honestly, that, um, yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, like Falun Gong, um, huge fan. So he, he has like a catchphrase. Everything goes back to Jonestown, you know? I think that's, I mean, it's, yeah, everything goes back to somewhere technically. I mean, you could pick anything, but that's a fair enough thing because I think Jonestown is a very good uh, model for the 80s, like kind of crack crisis. I, I mentioned Vietnam. Vietnam had a huge impact on black uh, men. You know, like they came back mm-hmm. really fucked up. Um, and then like, I think the COVID situation in some ways, it's the original 15 minute city, right? <laughs> it's a, it, Jonestown, the smart city. Oh, no, they, um, 
it's like I said earlier, it's never about ideology. There are all these like really practical reasons uh, that fall. And, and, and a lot of it is like the healthcare industry and pharmaceuticals, but we, that's full circle. You know? Exactly. No. And I, you know, as I always say, the beliefs are secondary to like the reasons that people have the beliefs are what actually matter. And like your, yeah. your political beliefs are symptoms. They're, they're just little, they're little. Oh, I, I totally agree. So, um, you got to read Jersey Devil's Breath. It's all about that. I cannot wait. I know. And right. I'm such a, I'm such a fan. I um feel like, I guess I should plug the book again, because it's like what we do around here is called Incurable. Am I saying it even right? Graphomania? Am I even saying that yeah, word right? Yeah. Incurable graphomania. <laughs> Incurable, which just sounds terminal. It sounds very, very serious. And I, I do, <laughs> I actually hope there's no cure because I think, uh, I, hope they, I hope you suffer from it your whole life because I think it will benefit the world if you continue to uh, to deliver these stories, which I'm only beginning to dabble in, but I will continue to read uh, from Apcon. I should actually plug them too. Shout out Apcon. Uh, thank you for delivering this. It's a beautiful book. It's like, who designed the who designed the artwork? It's like, It's gorgeous. Okay, so this was a collaboration between um, Bill, sorry, uh, Will Waltz, uh, who's a book editor, myself, and then Mark Wadley from Bruiser Magazine. Um, so Mark came up with a lot of prototypes, and we kind of went back and forth. And then the eye shape idea came to me, and we kind of streamlined it to that. But basically when I, when we went to Mark with this, I, I said, you know, it's really important for me to kind of channel this like sixties Polish op art penguin classic vibe, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, in the mm-hmm. blue, color. the blue color is the most important thing. That's, uh, that's my lucky color. That's like a big spiritual thing for me. Mother Very of nice. God Very comes nice. up. Very nice. This is a great color scheme for sure. Cause every important color has its its counterpart. Like the orange vibe has its its weird green. Oh, which oh wait, I wanted to mention this. That monkey, what's his name? Ch- Chapashu. What's the monkey you share? Uh, he's like a crocodile friend, right? Like he's like found by like a lizard or something, like a, a dragon. Oh uh, yeah, Zhenya. Uh sorry, crocodile Gena. Uh, he okay it's a good orange orange and green scheme i saw that and i was like oh they're oh. like orange and green that's the, those are the complementary colors uh it's, it's super fascinating um and where can people find you uh what should people know about you so you know i'm on twitter obviously um at anna krivalapov oh anna krivalapova with one n i had to smoosh it but um my book is available on Amazon. It's also available on Bookshop through um, a local bookstore in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Shout out People's Book. But more to come. Um, I have I have fiction published all over. I have Expat, Apcon, Maximus, Road Dog Books, Tragical. Um, probably a bunch of publications I'm forgetting. I'm sorry, <laughs> but well, good. Can we get your book into like city lights? I'm gonna go. I want to go. Is that and cool for me to go uh, as your ambassador and like oh, request they stock it? Like, how does that work? Because I feel like you should absolutely be like in. I want to oh, see it on the, the more shelf. Brick and mortar. I'm in the better. I would love that. I would love that so much. That's the Let's goal. Let's get it. Let's get it happening. Um, Anna, Definitely. you are such a delight. Thank you again. I'm so happy this happened. Um, do you have a, like a channeled, received, or just personal message for the audience? Oh, I just want to say. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you everyone who has bought my book and reached out to me about it. It means the world. And I hope everyone who reads it finds something for themselves, finds a little inside joke that they told themselves a long time ago and wanted to see from someone else, you know? Mm.